0: The Ursus claws.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the Age of Darkness podcast. Don't forget to check us out on uh, Facebook and on the Twitter and on the SoundCloud and um, just all the social medias. We're on there somewhere. Uh, send us an email at podcast at gmail.com and... Um, we are on big cartel. If you need a sweater, we're almost out of hoodies. Com- like, I, I, I've com- only got like two is. left. I, I, oh. I just sold a few more there. Like I, we are almost, almost, almost sold out of the of, of the hoodies. So,
2: uh, are we saying there's going to be a new hoodie design coming then?
1: Honestly, no. <laughs> I think no. The, the design is so good. <laughs> I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna just reprint the same ones.
2: Reprint. I, it was, and they are really comfy.
1: It, yeah, I know because I don't make any money on it. it costs. <laughs> like I said, like people, are like, oh man, it's a, a fifty-dollar hoodie. That's way too expensive. It's like it, I think it cost me fifty-four to make. I'm such a yeah. terrible businessman, despite your special PhD in business, <laughs> business history, <laughs> business history. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> Who uh, <just> yeah. thought? <laughs> I am. I I I've managed to not only um a study failures in business in the past but also replicate them you're meant to learn from your enemies. it's, it's, <laughs> it's active history <laughs> you know the, like the people oh. that like the, the remake old like roman war machines I remake bad business decisions bad. From <laughs> and this is why this company collapsed in the 19th century <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, let me demonstrate uh, get a hoodie or a shirt if you'd like uh, but anyways Darren! What are we doing today in the strategium? Because we do have an episode. Uh, we we do. We do
2: actually have an episode. Yes, this isn't just us talking about your PhD. Um, no, Strategium, we are back onto a militia. Now, let's let's be honest. People who listened to the last episode know that we got quite excited and didn't get
1: You legit thought that we could do the whole list in one episode. I remember you telling me that. For a brief fleeting moment. There was a thought that maybe we it could knock out one. Yeah. Then it expanded into
2: two. And what tonight' episode is going to prove is we need at least three, because what we are. talking about Do you think it's only going to take three? Yeah, no, it is only going to take three. We have to do. Okay. We have to be strong. Because, well, we, we got Legion Imperialis. Is still, I believe in us. No, no, we need because Legion Imperialis is out soon, and that is going to take up a lot of our time. But yeah, we still. We, tonight, we still
1: haven't even done. We're still behind on Titanicus. Titanicus is the done.
2: We're, now, we're, we're done with titanicus now we've got legions coming out <laughs> titanicus is done i'm moving on
1: that's really mean to titanicus Titan-
2: titanicus is still very close to my heart it doesn't sound don't like it don't get me wrong no no it is still close to my heart it All is right. still one of the best games gw produced but what do you mean one of it is by it far the best it is the yeah. best yeah it is the best but what are we doing today got- okay anyway strategy. strategy we are talking about the backbone of the army we are talking about the troop choices. Um, we go into this in quite some depth, as you may expect. We're particularly excited about certain parts of the troops. Um, we do have a bit of a roundabout chat about some of the lesser-known troop choices in there. Recon squads, I'm looking at you, my little specialist favourites for your sniper rifles. Um, but yeah, we are talking the troop choices the militia, the backbone of the army, and music, actually, how many you can fit into your troop allocation slots.
1: And it's a lot. It's a lot, and you it should really be able to get is. it into
2: another. And if you really want to do it, that's your three thousand point army sorted.
1: I love it so much.
2: Yeah, throwing the bodies, sending the bodies. They can't kill them all.
1: <laughs> they really like a lot of armies just won't have enough attacks.
2: It's so like, great, um, especially with the Siege of Castonia missions now reduced to four <laughs> turns. You've only got four shooting phases and four How reaction are you phases. Kill?
1: 400 infantry you can't you literally can't
2: no drown them in bodies drown them in bodies
1: it's it's, it's it's what i've always wanted yeah yeah and after talking about just how many bodies you can put into a 2000 point list we're gonna uh do tales of heresy and in tales of heresy we're gonna do a little uh i guess say a, a a palate cleanser uh, between our long series because we just finished a series on Titan Death, uh, which was magisterial, wonderful book, and we're about to start one on. Uh, is it Hidden Dagger?
0: <laughs> Dagger? No,
1: it's no, it's not. No,
0: it's
2: no. We're not doing that until next episode. So it's Dawn, the Empress Crusader, isn't it? We're doing yeah, a yeah Primark, like, but like we, we, we haven't
1: started, started that. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 that's gonna be the next one. So yeah, we're doing a uh, one of the Primark books. Seriously though, is it is it Berry Dagger or Hidden it's Dagger? Hidden Dagger. It's Hidden Dagger. Dagger. Okay. It's hidden dagger. Yeah. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. So, anyways, that's gonna be the next episode. I'm gonna do the last book in the series because we will have done them all. Uh, but today uh we're doing Dorn, and uh we're gonna talk about how Darren has some opinions about it. So that should be interesting.
2: I I, to be fair, I have opinions on most of the books we read, to be fair, it's been very difficult to do those segments. But yeah, this one I've, I have opinions on. And it's not just because I'm a bitter Iron Warriors player as well. well I'm there's. do, but I, I enjoyed things. it. We'll,
1: we'll yeah, get to we'll, that. We'll get to that. We'll
2: get to that stage. We'll
1: uh, do we have any that uh, news that we need to talk about before we uh, jump into the strategy? Because I really am looking forward to talking about troop choices. How many lists nice. can we be excited about to do a one hour segment about troop choices? No, true, let's just get straight into let's, it.
2: Welcome back to the Strategium, and we are carrying on with our second part of Team Flatjacket. We're back to the Imperialist Militia, the true heroes of the Heresy. Um, Last episode, we we may have talked about the Provenances at quite some depth and got very excited about certain rules, such as Tauntaun Riders. Um, So we're going to try and be
1: a little bit more focused now. Can can we just talk about the Tauntaun Riders for a few seconds? You are actually looking into the Tauntaun Riders? I,
2: I have looked into the Tauntaun Riders. And? What did you find? I I, I may have found... Oh, obviously, there's the Star Wars Legion's Taunton Riders, but, you know, they're, they're relatively expensive. because oh, that's an like easy need. mode. It is easy mode. There are other areas available. You know, the joys of 3D printing nowadays. So, yes, there are 3D prints out there of Taunton Riders. So, the idea is not dead in the water, shall we say that. But let's go back and talk about what we're doing tonight. So... We're going to try to be a little bit more focused. However, we also realise what we're like as a podcast, and there's no way we're going to cover the rest of this in a single episode. So what our intention is, is we're going to finish off looking at the HQs, and then we're going to be looking at troops, and, you know, depending on how time is going in the evening, uh, we'll see how much further we get into the list. But what we don't cover in tonight's strategy, we will be covering in the next episode. So we will have talked about the militia, and Long-term listeners will know this is an army that is close to our hearts. I knew that we were going to be spending quite a bit of time on this.
1: I could not be more excited about this list. And I will repeat what I said last time. Uh, I am, I don't want to say shocked. Shocked is not the right term. I am delightfully surprised by how much care and attention went into making this list. It is so, there's so much stuff in here. Uh, it It would have been easy for Games Workshop to just kind of, you know, be lazy about it. And just put out the bare bones uh they did not they uh certainly made an effort here and um again i'm del- delightfully surprised and incredibly happy about it it's, it's, yeah. it's so much stuff in here they actually expanded I mean, upon the list they made a free list that expanded upon they didn't just update the militia list they expanded on the militia list which is incredible yeah I
0: mean,
2: let's be honest they expanded the militia list because they want to get people to buy some of you cadian kits yes let's be honest that's true true. however those of us and you've mentioned this issue issue inverted commas yourself before now is those people with a militia list tend to use old gw models so this is an excuse to buy some of the new fancy stuff and just add it onto what's already existed so i don't necessarily
1: see that as a a bad thing as such so do you not want to buy (laughs) like uh, the, the, the 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 new sentinel kit the new sentinel kit is amazing I, I've got
2: quite a few sentinels anyway because I, I love the sentinels. But I, I am very much looking at the uh, Calliope mortars, mm. Calliope mortars, and obviously Rough Riders.
1: Oh, I'm almost built. I've almost finished building my two squads. But there we go. I right. just admit they didn't disappoint. They didn't disappoint. They gave us the Rough no. Riders. We've been putting I, Games Workshop on notice for two years now, saying that you better put Rough Riders into the new militia list. They listened to us. I'm sure that was us.
2: Oh, absolutely. That, that we'll, we'll buy that. We'll take that win. Um, but no, I do agree. This armor list is as a good a standard of an armor list as anything we've seen in the Lever books, whether that's the Solar Ox, the Astartes, Mechanicum. The militia list is up there in the same quality and standard, which when you like you said it's free, I don't really think you can complain. Right. I think it's important before we move on to talking about the discipline masters to remind people about the militia subtype. Because discipline masters come into their own with a malicious <laughs> subtype, don't they?
1: Yeah. So, so JP, do you want to run people back through the malicious subtype? Pretty much. If half the unit is destroyed, it can't regroup. The unit is falling back, uh, and is charged. It's immediately destroyed.
0: <laughs> it's so bad.
1: Yep.
2: It is. It is. And if you're charged uh, by multiple units in combat, you yeah. have to make a sweep test as well. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you're gone you're now. <laughs> let's let's be fair Let, let's remind people is if you if you're under half your models you're not wiped out on a fullback on a fullback you are just going to keep falling back from that moment on so if you were quite a way out of the ball you could spend some time moving back along the board and still shooting and so on you're not going to be that very effective although compared to normal militia shooting it may not notice much difference but you're not immediately wiped out so we need to recognize the, the militia subtype does make certain types vulnerable. Now, to be fair,
1: well, monstrous there's, there's, there's another point that we really need to harp. What is the base uh, the base uh, uh, leadership value of a normal militia trooper? Uh, six. No. That's five. It's five. Yes, the sergeant the is six. six. The sergeant the is ser- six. The sergeant is six. So if yeah, your sergeant you is just, still alive,
2: yeah. and what are the odds of that? Yes, in the days of sniper rifles and recon squads, <laughs> it's not. I, I'm very, just saying, saying sergeant, that, like,
1: you're, you, this is a goblin army, all right? Like for those, I, I mentioned this no, before. Actually. This reminds me of old, like, goblin armies. Yeah, absolutely. but to be fair, what it, are you it, saying. To be fair. To be fair. Yeah, and
2: I think you also need to remember though that mechanized types like sentinels and monstrous units like your ogrins are not subject to those militia traits so you know they they can rally under half they can then oh, so they they can't rally under half but they're not automatically wiped out on a sweep so if you've got lots of ogrins in your army ogrin levies you all love it you might have a few I think I think I heard were you, were you Work at hundred ogrins in a three thousand point army. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Yeah. Anyway, oh, it's right. So Let's crack on. Let's crack on. So we we talked about the force commander last time. So we, if you want to know about your top level HQ, top level for Imperialist Militia, um, listen to the last episode. We're going to be picking up with a discipline master cadre, right? and these are quite key.
1: Let's be honest. Oh um, yeah, the, the like don't don't leave home without them. The, this is essential. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, these kind of are sh- not commissars, like, right? Commissars are. Um, oh no, no. They're they're taught at the uh, uh you know the what the the skull the skull. Uh, the yeah the Scarlet. The, the Scarlet, yeah. Uh, so uh the, the, the commissars that's a post war invention. Uh, these guys are just assholes with whips. Yeah. Well, when you read the, I was. When you read the
2: law box to the side of them, it turns out that they are there to ensure the principles of the imperial truth and the manifest destiny of humanity is upheld. They're either chosen from war veterans or for regular auxiliary regiments, or they're actually trained on terror and sent out to the militias. So you know that for those of people who say, "Oh, but the Imperials are the good guys," th- these are trained on terror at the heart of the imperium and when you look at how they instill order you cannot tell me these are good guys so let's have a look at their stat line so you know movement six pretty standard for human weapon skill four that's, that's good. good for a militiaman. <laughs> um this is skill three yeah couple of wounds initiative three two attacks so so far nothing is mentioned they have a classic flatjack armor a five plus save but what is important is they have a leadership of eight. They have a leadership of eight. This is key because suddenly you're up there to an astarte sergeant.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, again, don't leave home without him. This is essential. You're going to need uh discipline masters because otherwise, and this is what, if I'm playing against the militia army, this is, this is who I'm trying to tap out, not the sergeant. Right? Oh, Absolutely. The- like if I have a sniper, this is this is who it's going after. Yeah, that's
2: a it's a high priority target if you're fighting against them, isn't it? Um, so what are they equipped with? Well, they've got a basic close combat weapon. They've got a knife, last pistol, auto pistol, uh, frag grenades, and flak armor. Now they're a HQ slot, but they are a support squad. So you can't take these as your compulsory. But let's face it, you're going to be taking. A force commander is you compulsory, so you can unlock those juicy, juicy provenances. But from this one slot, you can take 11 discipline or 12 discipline masters in total. This is such a
1: huge improvement over the old version of the list where you could take like five. Yeah, it was it was it was a four, it wasn't enough, it was never enough. So you no. always had to use up two HQ choices of uh discipline masters. Now, probably, uh, you only need one probably
2: or one slot hopefully hopefully 12 discipline masters is enough um they get some quite good options to be fair they can all take melter bombs they can all take carapace armor to go up to a four plus eight that's good they could all take refractor fields for five plus eight now to be honest if it was me i think i would always give my guys a refractor field because with the amount of sniper weapons that have rending out there Yes, you can upgrade mm. them to carapace Armour to give them a four plus save, and I probably would do that as a matter of course anyway, because then you're saved against bolters. But by having that five plus infulmable save from a refractor field, it at least gives you a bit of a chance against sniper weaponry. Um they could take bolt pistols or blast pistols or needle pistols, they can take a chainsaw or a power weapon, and you can put them in horses or tauntauns. You can mount them or on bikes as well so you know you can put these into squads of rough riders if you want to
1: that's brilliant now. uh and honestly i think that it's worth uh taking the Carapace and the, the refactor It's gonna cost you an extra 10 points so it's gonna be a 30 yeah. point but it, that that 30 point can save your army
2: Absolutely. Now, how is it saving your army? Now, when you assign these, these basically get assigned like Potipari's in the uh, Legionis Ar- Astatus list. So at the beginning of the game, you assign a Discipline Master to a squad in your army, and then they stay in that squad for the rest of that turn or the rest of that game. You can't put them into Ogryn squads unless you've got the Ogryn, Ma- uh, the Ogryn Levy provenance. You can't put them into Sentinel squads because of the uh, the clashing unit types but you can put them into anything else now it's not just oh anything that bitter duty you can't give them either but i don't think anything in the list has bitter duty but it's not just their leadership of eight that is keeping a unit on the table is it
1: no because they can still order how do you keep people in line you might have to shoot a couple of militiamen so if uh, yeah. the unit that has a Discipline Master in it fails Morale Check, uh, you can make a re-roll, which is great because you're re-rolling on the uh, uh, Discipline Master's 8. So that's fantastic. Um, but uh, no matter what, uh, the unit suffers D3 wounds uh, with no AP. Um, uh, but this is better than the ver- the last version, actually. This is another thing that's better. I just noticed this. Um, but before, you can take any uh, saving throws. You just automatically remove three models. Or up to yeah. three models. now. Yeah, yeah you now you can take
2: roof. armor saves. Absolutely. And if you've got a, a militia Medicaid in there, you can also get feel no pain with those as
1: well. I don't know how I feel about this, though. I don't know how I feel about this. I oh. I I would, I actually kind of prefer the old version because of its brutality.
2: I, yeah, I suppose what they mean by this one, because don't forget, this is could also be the loyalist side of things. So we're not at the later 40K stage of a commissars shooting people dead to instill discipline through fear, what you've got here is the... They shoot them in their slack
1: armor and hope they don't die?
2: (laughs) Yeah, or just pistol whipping them. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I know how you feel about it, but for those of us who care about the men under our command, we're happy with our discipline masters. I care about victory. (laughs) This is much more stereotypical. This is much more your Napoleonic sergeant Bludgeoning people back into the line and forcing them to hold the line rather than your commissars shooting people in the face to you make some people more scared of the commissar than the enemy. But fundamentally, whatever is in your head, whatever is in your personal law for this, that reroll with D3 runes and taking saves against it, that that keeps squads in the game.
1: It would it would really suck if uh um you if due to instill discipline you actually manage to or instill order, uh you manage to kill uh um uh like two guys and it brings you below that like 10 threshold where you can no longer <laughs> like I kind of get what they did. They made one thing yep. more brutal and one thing like less. But I yep. also I also read a part of that, that that lore text that you were you were mentioning, um to, to, to falter in resolve within sight of a disciplined master in the heat of battle. Is to fail the Emperor of Mankind in person slash warmaster, a crime for which pain and ultimately death are judged to be fit rewards.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just say.
2: Right. Let's move on. So we've we've left the discipline. Well, we we, we agree that like massive improvement.
0: Oh, like, um, yeah, it's good. It's so much yeah. better than it
2: used to be. They're All good. Right. And don't leave home without them. <laughs> always, always take discipline masters. Okay. The next one is the Rogue Psyker. Now, interestingly, this is Traitor-only. So previously, loyalists could take Rogue Psykers. Yeah, that um, was yeah now now they're Traitor-only. And what is also different this time is you get your Rogue Psyker, but you can also buy militia. I, I like how they term these wardens. <laughs> Basically, my image of this, do you, do you remember back in second rogue trader days and second ed you you had your orc weird boy who was helped around the battlefield yeah, by mind. Helped around Yeah <laughs> was, this reminds carried me of by, by
1: by bigger, stronger orcs.
2: Yes. Yeah. This this reminds me of this. These militia warders remind me of this. So basically prod the rogue psycho where we need him and then just take a step back and hopefully he doesn't explode. Um let's face it, the rogue psycho stats are not that impressive. He's in line with a levy. Apart from he's got an extra wound, a whole extra wound. His leadership is pretty good, leadership seven. But then in the new edition, you need good leadership to be doing your uh, psychic tests anyway. Yeah, so it's going to go.
1: work uh, more often than not. Yep,
2: yeah, uh, he's a support squad, so you can't take him as compulsory. Uh, he does have fear one, so everyone is scared of him of local area. Now that could be quite interesting combined with one of the warlord traits, doesn't it? Because if he goes into, um, if he is within 12 inches of your warlord, so oh, that's, that's fear right. two. That's fear two on all local enemy units. And and your own. Uh, uh, and your own as well. But, <laughs>
1: you know. It's militia. I like, that. <laughs> I, I like the discipline. idea of putting uh, the, the, the force commander in with uh, your rogue squad, uh, uh, your, your rogue psyker squad. Uh, I oh, think I wouldn't put it in the rogue squad.
2: Because there is another reason why you want to get the maximum number of militia wardens. And that's if when you perils Because don't forget Version 2 perils of a warp Does d3 wounds against the unit You're mm. in before the psyker So basically these militia wardens Are to help guide them around and then take The full back so you don't want Your force commander in rhythm, in rhythm Because you don't yeah, you want do. your if force you have n- take- If you have
1: nine guys if you peril it'd be, great. it'd be great to have um uh, Sort of the rogue psyker being some, like, like, like you'd have a, a Davonite priest That's sort of like worm tonguing If you will
2: yeah, See, I Lord
1: mention,
2: of the Rings. Yeah, it does mention a few of them are um, a small number drawn from the uh, animist lodges of Davin. Now, what can you give them? You can't give them much. <laughs> <laughs> so your your militia warders can take bolt, uh, blast pistols, chainsaw, carbines, subcarbines, las carbines, and you can give your rogue psyker a force weapon. But awesome. you're not bringing your rogue psyker for their personal combat powers. Why are you bringing rogue psyker? You're bringing Rogue Psyker because you want to summon demons. Because in the new Militia list, basically the Rogue Psyker is a mini-esoterist. It allows the Psyker to summon demons as part of your army list. So exactly the same way. They basically have exactly the same psychic discipline as the Esoterist. So you get the Breach of the Veil psychic power and Void Darts and Etheric Lightning that all Psykers have. Also means that in your army list, you can choose three non-compulsory troops or elites from the Ruined Storm Demon list or the Bound Demon Army list. Obviously, we're still waiting for the Ruin Storm Demon Army list. So hopefully, that'll be coming this summer. But we do have a Bound Demon. So, potentially, you could summon in Kavanda. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes. Oh, it's okay. I'm only fighting against Militia. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and no matter how... Um, many rogue psychers you've got you can only ever have three demon units fine you you pay for them at the start of the battle they take up those organization slots and then the way you bring them in is through your breach veil psychic power so instead of making a shooting attack the psyker can select a point within 12 inches and at least three inches away from an model impossible terrain they put down a blast marker if you want to make a psychic check then you can try it, and if you pass, then the template stays where it is. If you fail or you don't take the uh, psychic check, then it scatters like normal. And then once it's placed into the standard location, then um, you can deploy one of your Rune Storm Demon units and reserves onto a battlefield. So you've basically got to rely on your rune storm demon List for your so for your rogue psyker to last three turns with a bound demons list you can actually start with some on the table so we haven't looked at a bound uh, demons supplementary list yet that's something we're going to do in a future episode but the summary is you can start some of your demons on the table if you pass psychic testing deployment phase so it's quite useful you know it is quite useful they are subject to um the interceptor reaction so be aware what what you're bringing in but they can also charge so this is quite a nice way to get demons further up the table and then for them to charge from that point because they deploy from a warp rift if you don't want to use breach for veil, you can just do void darts so they have an 18 inch range strength five their ap4 assault 12 uh, against demons they wound on two plus um they have deflagrate as well, but you do have to pass a psychic test to use that weapon. So JP, what, what's your feeling about the Rogue Psyker?
1: I think it's fun. I guess the only thing that I don't like is that because um, uh, you have to pay the points for the demons, right? These are yeah. free demons like, like in the old version. Not like the old days, no. So you maybe the Bloodthirst, uh, you know, uh, the Bloodletters are going to come in? If they don't, kind of sucks.
0: Yeah. If it was free demons,
1: I would say this is amazing and I would take it every time.
2: Yeah. I think for me, I would be more likely to use for bound demons list because there's a greater chance of them starting on the table if you want them to actually use rather than relying on breach of veil. Because you know, if I was fighting this army and I knew that you had three units in reserve ready for breach of veil, first thing I'd do would be sniper your road cycle. Good point. And then you've and then you've lost those units because you can't bring them
1: in. Yeah, with well, the amount so, of sniper weapons, I mean, ah, oh, this is going to be rough. Yeah, it's so yeah. cool, so,
2: though. It is, it is really cool, but that's why I'll probably be more tempted with the Bound Demons list and and try to bring in something big, something like the, the, like the Demon lords, like Commander. <laughs> so throwing throwing an Angrath use. in there. You can use Angrath. Yeah, yeah they've, got, they've got the Demon Lords in there. Oh, yeah, we haven't, like I said, we haven't looked at the Bound Demon one, but yeah, the, there's a lot of risk of sniper in this one, um which could really limit your plan. And unlike a Legionista Terrorist, you don't have the armor saves to take being shot in the face with a sniper rifle.
0: No,
1: he's he's gotta he's gotta travel in a vehicle of some kind. I don't know.
2: Yeah, you know there's a huge problem here. Yeah. yeah. Stick him in a gorgon or in a cargo eight. Yeah, because get him a cargo eight. <laughs> Stick we haven't, him in a we haven't even, 8. even
1: talked about how cool that is. We'll get to that. No.
2: Nah calculate and, and Ogrins. <laughs> there we go. Right, that's that's my very Psycho. Yeah. So um, um, I don't
1: uh, better or worse. I'm, uh, I I don't know. I I think it's I, it's. Mm, I think worse because you haven't got the choice of psychic powers. Yeah. Last And also you can't bring in free powers. demons.
2: Because before no, you could, you, you have you you have to pay for them now. Yeah. yeah well, no, which is like fairer because then you've got equal size armies. No, you know, come on. Advantage, but.
1: It used to be, you know, I, I, I used to love the old chaos rules where you'd sacrifice your aspiring champion uh to a demon. Oh yeah, that was fun because oh, you, I, you I, have I, to pay yeah. for the fucking aspiring champion, but at the same time, like it's cool when it comes to bloodthirster.
2: Yeah, and a complete shock to everyone as well. Oh, oh god, I got bloodthirster. Right, let's move on. So we're talking about now your command card race. So once again, this is a support squad. So everything outside of your force commander can't be compulsory. So it's telling you take a force commander um what is a command card jp how would how would we sum these up
1: i don't know just uh command and control quad um you know you you have your uh guy with the vexilla you have your guy with uh radio you know just command yeah um yeah it massive massive improvement oh see i disagree oh okay I, I disagree. you go, you go we'll, first we'll enough, about... uh, 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 uh maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong I'll tell yeah, you why I, I think, think that this this is something that you would take now before you would never take. Yeah, well, you see, I did take them previously, but
2: so I've, I've, that's why I've got some differences. But basically, this is what's going to become your your platoon commander, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Later on, in in the guard I mean, This is like you said, your platoon standard, your vox, because non two voxes are not that common. In I the know that's frustrating. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's frustrating. It it's basically your command cadres or your grenadiers. That's it. They're the only ones who clearly know how to use a field telephone. Um, but this squad is cheap, it's only 45 points for one militia lieutenant and militia bodyguards. Don't expect much from your lieutenant, he's only weapon skill blisters, skill four, two wounds, and leadership seven. So, you know, he he's a lieutenant in the militia, he's not your solar ox tertiary commanders. Um, your bodyguard are the same as grenades and you get five you get one militia lieutenant, four bodyguards they all come with a close combat weapon they've all got las pistol or auto pistol or las gun or auto rifle they've all got frag you can tell these were fancy guys because they get crack grenades as well mm. and flack up i know <laughs> this you know there's nothing standard amongst these what is nice is you can take these as a household retinue so just like you get a command squad for your praetor your force commander can take these guys as a retinue squad, which doesn't take up force force organization slot.
1: My argument is that that's what makes it makes them good now, because before they took up a an HQ slot, which you didn't have yeah. any room for, probably because you needed to take two of your HQ slots for uh, discipline masters. Now yes, they fixed point. the discipline master problem, so you have that extra slot. You don't even need to use it for the imperialist militia uh, uh, yeah. for the uh, the command cadre. And also, this squad can now be quite large, so you can go up to
2: squad to twenty yeah. with these. So this is this is large, and there's a lot of stuff which is bought by the squad as well. So things like um, carapace armor you buy for the squad at twenty points. Um, your lieutenant can take melter bombs to refractor fields. Uh, you can take a nuncio vox and a malicious standard. Now I'm just going to check what the malicious standard does because, you know, it now seems a good place. So you add plus one to the wound scored in combat. That'll keep you alive that seconds longer. But you also gain <laughs> stubborn. If you're in close combat, something went wrong. <laughs> well, not always. If you've got um Tainted Flesh or fair yeah, yeah, yeah. Warriors, you, you want to be in combat. That's so, fair. But you gain stubborn stubborn's great stubborn's really useful stubborn's really useful especially if you've got your force commander in there with his leadership of eight you know that that's a fixed leadership of eight then you want to bulk this squad out so they don't drop below half um they can take anyone can take a shotgun stub carbine laser carbine or if you want to be really fancy a bolt gun for two points each i know pushing boundaries and then this is where my (laughs) problem is this is this is where not my problem. That sounds really harsh, but where my dislike for this squad of them. Only one can upgrade to a heavy weapon, so you can take heavy stubber, grenade launcher, uh, long laser sniper rifle, or flame and melt gun or plasma gun. Previously, you could do up to two or three in the squad, and it it was just it was just quite nice for those to have like a heavy weapon team and a couple of special weapons just to provide like a Strong, strong points for militia to help anchor the line a little bit, and I thought it just made them different to the grenadiers because the grenadiers can take more than these, and for me it just seems a bit odd that your command cadre isn't taking those special and heavy; it has, doesn't have wide access.
1: You see, but I, I, that's me. I I, I I disagree that the the biggest difference that you t- you can take them now. Before you weren't taking. No one was. I, I, you said you were taking them. I've never seen anybody else take uh, take take it. Um because usually it would compete uh for a slot with the force commander. Yeah. Um and now no, it doesn't.
2: I do That's see huge. the point. I do see the point. If you take them as a household retinue and they're fixed in place, absolutely. My my issue, like I say, is I would just like to see them to represent their status in the force, that they are having a little bit more access to some special weapons, but like That's you say you're more likely to take them now. You're more likely to take. And don't forget, if you've got certain provenances, you can give them different weapons anyway. Yep. So um, Armory of Old Nigh or Feral Warriors, you can give them all chain axes. So, (laughs) you know, you could have a
1: bit of fun with that. And that is all the HQs. Yeah, generally speaking, HQs. Uh, Improvement or downgrade? Like, in general. I think, in general, I think it's an improvement. I think so, yeah. I think, I mean, you're very
2: much pushed into taking the Force Commander because everything has support squad.
1: But everybody but was doing it anyway. Who, were were a, you taking the Force Commander before? What, what were you using what, as, your, uh, as your HQs? Oh, I was using Force Commander and Command Cadre. No Dispo Masters? No. You weren't using Dispo Masters before?
2: No, because my army was much more of an elite with lots of grenadiers in it. So their leadership was pretty good anyway.
1: Ugh. We're not friends so, anymore.
2: Just just because you send thousands of men to their death, it's just I send thousands of
1: men to glory. Okay, what would you what would you say overall? Huge improvement, improvement, massive, massive improvement. And and the two major ones are as what I mentioned before: uh, discipline masters uh, now come in twelves instead of like fours, massive. Uh, And also now there's a reason to take the command cadre. Before I didn't feel that there was a reason. uh because they're the they they were fighting for a an hq slot with discipline masters and force commanders no longer the case uh massive massive improvement the list is so much better uh it's still very fragile um and i like that they leave militia yeah i know i know but like (laughs) you want to take these choices now i even like the rogue uh psyker uh, I love the idea that you can actually give him a retinue now instead of him just being slotted <laughs> in a uh, in a unit. All of them it, massive improvements. I just wish we had free demons. Give me free it demons. It would just be
2: it would just be so worth one game going, here's my rogue psycho. I'm gonna summon in Kabanda.
0: <laughs> yeah, games are do you hate fun.
2: Why do you hate fun? Ah, <sighs> oh, no, you can't say they hate fun with this list. I'm sorry you can't. Yeah, that's true. That's you can true. Can't. You do a good job. Troops. Troops. Let's move on to troops, because troops is actually a large section, isn't there? So we have the infantry squad, we have the levy squad, we have the grenadiers, we've got the fire support squad, we've got the recon squad, and that's it. So, you know, there are a lot of troop choices, which is good, which is good, because troops are the core of your army. They should always be the most common units you have on the table.
1: But, but, and, this was the most frustrating part about, about the militia list before. Yeah, go on, go on your rant. Gone. I was well you know what I'm you know what I'm saying like it was frustrating because oh, I know what you're going to say the the core uh, of the militia list is those troops right the poor goddamned infantry with their last carbine and their bayonet uh holding back the terrors of the uh imperium's tyranny and uh the problem is you never have enough troop choices it's very frustrating like the, the core of the army is your is your militia squads or your levy squads and you never Especially had enough
2: I was going to say, especially when you compare them to Solar Ox that could take up to three yeah. units per troop choice.
1: Exactly. So, it's so frustrating, yeah. right? All I have is 120 guys. I am sorry. This is a a war of of, of demons and of post-human warriors. And and 120 guys is not enough. We need more guys. No. And they yeah, fix that. You definitely do. Uh, they, they really have.
2: And what I like about the new Militia Infantry Squad, we'll talk about how they fixed it in a moment is they've made it very clear now that these range from soldier subject to mining over houses, hive gangers, warp cults, and then they're bearing a range of weapons from black powder muskets to laser rifles. So basically go crazy. And we have seen some amazing conversions. I've seen people convert some for warlord game, Napoleonics. We've seen people use the standard Cadian infantry. We've seen people convert beastmen. Use your imagination. Is what it comes down to, isn't it? It's absolutely use your imagination.
1: Unless, of course, uh, Games Workshop gets its way, and then it's use your cadence.
2: Yeah, obviously, I think GW would love you. Or, or um, to be fair, they're pushing gangs as well. So you've got lots of Necromunda stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh man, could, a full you, army you could, of like Goliaths! How how cool would that look?
2: Oh, it'd be perfect for things like Feral Warriors and Gene Enhance, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So many things you there can do go. with this. Good. Be creative. Be
2: creative. That's okay. Remember, this is the modeler's army, isn't it? We've, we've said this before in version one. We're, we're repeating that now. This is a modeler's army, the militia list. Shall we start off with, though, how they solve the problem of troop slots? Because that, that's core to most of our troop choices, isn't it? Absolutely. Do you want to take it? Because this, this is your personal area, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, I, I I like my infantry squad. So, like, pretty much bare bones. Uh, the only major difference is they they took a hit in leadership. That's the only like major difference. There is one huge change that they made is that they can actually take a specialist weapon now. Yes. So before you couldn't take a mouth gun. Uh, you can take plasma gun, which is great. Like one guy, uh, and and uh, so you have your twenty man squad. But here's here's what they did. This is the big thing that they changed now. Um, instead of just one troop choice, you can take three infantry squads for each troop selection. That means you can have uh, up to eighteen squads of infantry. This changes everything.
2: Yeah, and they're all deployed. So everything, all three—if you take three in a troop choice—they're all deployed at the same time. It's basically like a dreadnought talent, isn't yeah. it? It's like a yeah. dreadnought talent. They're all deployed at the same time, but they operate individually. Or if they're in reserve, you only have to make one reserve role for that slot. And then you get three squads come on from that one reserve role. So yeah, th- this solves a massive issue, doesn't it?
1: It solves the biggest issue, uh, which is a weird one to have because pretty much every other army in like, yes, you're going to take your troop choices, whatever. But the heavy lifting are usually other types of units, you know, your heavy supports or your elites. Uh, for the militia, yeah. it's 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 your it's your uh, it's your soldier uh, with uh, 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 their uh, um, last carbine and, and bayonet.
2: Yeah, and you can actually give them bayonets now as well, can't you? Oh yeah, and that's that true. what awesome. do bayonets do? Yeah, it's like ten points from um, the whole squad. It's plus one strength. It's plus one strength. That's excellent. Yes, yeah, plus one strength. Yeah, yeah, because chain bayonets is a plus one strength and shred two handed. Um, but Bennett's is just plus one strength, so you know it's strength four. That that means they can go into your Astartes,
1: yeah, and stab them real good. Yeah, it's what they it's what yeah. they deserve. Um, bayonet plus yeah, one strength the, two yeah, handed. Plus one You're strength. not going to get yeah. the extra
2: attack, but they don't have an extra attack because they haven't got a close combat weapon. They just have the rifle butt. Yeah, I, I would always take know?
1: bayonet. I think bayonet. That's that's huge. Because <laughs> ten be points to, a unit. Yeah, ten points a whole unit. That's that's great. I would definitely take it. Yeah, they can take a melted gun now, they can take a grenade launcher, and they're all cheap. You know, 10 points for a plasma gun. Fantastic. Five but he's points for gonna a Flamer, incinerate. Why the why why not? Dude,
2: I, I would go personally for something like a, a a flamer or a grenade launcher rather than a plasma because you know he would incinerate himself. Yeah, on the
1: first <laughs> I bought the melted gun every time. I think the melted gun is probably the best option for this kind of squad. It makes it so much better. It's almost it's 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 80 points for the squad for your 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 20. Uh, men and women bare bones Uh, you're going to give them a special weapon and a bayonet uh, run you about 100 points
2: yeah it's nothing is it for 20 points and and we should also point out they are line so you know they're they're scoring objectives so you're going to have 18 units
1: and they're all going to have discipline masters well 12 of them will well just take two yeah you're going to have to take two HQ choices again you don't have to choose between the extra unit of discipline masters and uh, the command cadre anymore this is going to be a tough this is going to be a tough army to crack it's like we said before, it's not a question of
2: being able to kill them. It's more of a question of have you got enough
1: turns? How, yeah, how many attacks do you stuff? have? Imagine if you're the Ancients list, which just seems so overpowered now. You don't have enough attacks to destroy the guys. Yeah, and you know, the, the we
2: should also point out their squad size is 20 models. So it won't take a lot to get them below half strength. But while you're shooting at that squad to get them below half strength, you've got... Th- six, seven, eight other squads around the table, and that's just infantry squads. That's not others. So it is a question of, can you kill enough? Volkite heavy armies will have a
1: field day, however. Yeah, Volkite's going to be brutal to this army. Yeah. But nonetheless, cannons. Like, think about this, cannons. If If you max it out at roughly 2,000 points or 2,500, we're talking about 360 infantry. Yep. Plus support, plus tanks, right? Because you can easily fit tanks and your regular sized uh heresy army mm-hmm. it's gonna be really hard for some custodies are gonna custodies are gonna are gonna have trouble they don't have enough yeah. attacks it,
2: it's the classic elite army issue isn't it is of yes you'll be able to kill your models but can you kill enough to break the army yeah. before the end of the game what if I throw in
1: 18 fucking units into Angron like yeah Angron's probably still gonna win I've tried it before <laughs> but like,
2: it only takes that's one all guy he's with doing a penny. the whole game and if you get one wound you've got that moral victory <laughs>
1: I still didn't get a single wound I threw in four uh four four units into into Angron he destroyed them all and I didn't get a single wound and but that's but that's what Angron did that game that was Angron's yeah. job it was <laughs> yeah but like you're doing knowing. that you're not you're not you're not challenging my objectives where I have another like what 14 more units sitting on objectives like it's yeah. it's it's so much better. It's. I mean, you can you can afford
2: to th- throw squads around, literally surround objectives or surround your armor to stop them being assaulted. So, this is what this is where the strength from military. It's the classic quantity has a quality all of its own, isn't it? It's it's that famous line. Now, if you really want to go for something similar, but slightly less. Oh, quality, I
1: like your segue. I see what you're going. I see where you're going.
2: Let's refer to the levy. And those of you who have read Lost and the Damned from the Siege of Terror series know all about Levy. And basically, this is literally going through the dregs of a hive and going, good, you can stand on two feet and hold a gun. Come with us. Sometimes you might even be given the gun rather than have to find one later on. Um, What I do like is they do point out the difference that Although they're referred to as levy, they could be forced conscripts, like we see in the Siege of Terror, or they could be what we know from the old road trade law and later 40k laws, the white shields, the probator units. So these are guys who are being trained up to become the infantry, and those who survive, congratulations. You are now members of the, of the <laughs> you, militia. You've upgraded to being the second upgraded. worst in the game. Yeah. Now, well done. Now, we'll save the points till last. Now, in terms of stat line, there's not a huge difference apart from your standard levy only has weapon skill, blister skill too. So don't expect much from them.
1: Your sergeant... The same that leadership, sort of thing. That's, that's a huge difference to the last version. That, that is a big difference. That is a big difference. However, well, you can't go lower than to- five. How are you going to go...
2: No. However, they do have one major difference, is that if they fail meet a, a morale check you remove the entire unit
1: <laughs> i honestly from just a, a a play standpoint i honestly almost prefer this to the militia <laughs> because when you guys are running a uh, falling back yeah you're gonna do some snapshots and like maybe thinking it's a, threat, maybe a, threat, wound a marine Right, a,
2: a levy squad snapshotting is only half as effective as a standard levy squad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but at the end of the day, just just remove it. It's done. I, I don't mind this from. Is, I, I I like this rule actually. Yeah, but the other
2: parties, your enemy don't your your opponent doesn't get any victory points for them either. Yeah, I love that. It's like, they are not line however. So don't go into it thinking, oh, I'm just going to buy all of those and and block up my objectives. They're not lying. But what you can use them for is to blunt assault. So you can have your infantry squads protecting objectives and your levy just swamping forward, particularly as they start at 20, but you can buy up to 30 additional levy for two points each. So 100 points
1: for for a 50 uh, troop unit uh, yeah. Like, and you can take three personal beastmen. Like, it, this is your beastmen. They will be yeah. like, I don't care about the weapon skill too. There, they will just be brutal. Don't they get plus yeah. one? Uh beastman give you plus one uh weapon skill, right? For, uh,
2: um No, feral warriors is plus. Oh,
1: let's go back and check.
0: Yeah, that's
2: uh, feral warriors does give you the option of um, chain axes. I
1: remember that. Uh, feral warriors. So, the, oh, plus one pentacle when you charge. So, you're going to charge a three, give them the Abhu- human muster. So, it's going to give you strength four. Yeah. And with chain axes, that goes up to five. <laughs> brutal. And hammer of Yep. So, it does all add up. Oh, man. Yeah. Beastman army is going to be brutal in this version. Yeah. So, 100 points. So, uh, and, and, you, and again, they have strength and numbers, which means that you still can take 18. So, um, four. One thousand eight hundred points, eighteen hundred points. You can have an army of six hundred beastmen. Yeah, but you wouldn't have any scoring, so you'd
2: probably want to use at least two of your troop slots. For but how three do three you?
1: Sports. You just swap everything. No, yeah, if you, even if in you go if, into battle, if you come to Adepticon with six hundred beastmen, you already won. You, are you already won are the, or the winner of the game of the yeah. day. And please
2: bring, yes. bring, please bring movement trays. Yes, don't move, don't move them individually. <laughs> don't, don't be that guy. We've gone from the dregs of the of the uh, militia list. Let's go to the specialists, the grenadiers. Now these are, according to the law box at the side, a more professional and well equipped class of militia rather than the bulk of imperial militia forces. Now bear in mind. This is more professional and well-equipped according to the Militia list. (laughs) So, still don't expect miracles, but they do have some advantages. They've got slightly better leadership. Their leadership's seven or six, and they come with carapace armor, so they've got that four-plus save, and their line units as well. So they are scoring. However, they are support squads, so you can't take them as compulsory, but remember... Some provenances do change that around. They are also dripping in weapons. You've got last guns, you've got last or last guns or auto rifles, last pistols or auto pistols, basic close combat weapons, frag, crack, and carapace. So you do get the additional attacking close combat because you've got the, the pistol and the close combat weapon. They are only squads of 10, but you can increase those up to squads of 20. and. It's not much to increase them. It's only an extra six points for each additional grenadier. So, also 135 points for a 20-man squad. Your sergeant can take melter bombs. He's also got quite a range of war gear available to him. He can take bolt pistols, blast pistols, plasma. Uh, he can take a chainsaw, a power weapon, or a power fist. A, a mighty strength seven there, a strength six there. They can take a nuncio vox and a militia vexilla. All the grenadiers can either have shotguns, stub carbines, lasso carbines, or bolters. Don't forget, certain provenances will allow them to take other things, armory of old knight, assault needlers is one I would certainly recommend, or volkite chargers. And then two grenadiers in the squad get to take the same selection of um, heavy or special weapons that the standard infantry squad does as well. So heavy stubber, grenade launchers, long or snipers, Flame and melt gun or plasma gun. So basically, these are the guys with all the gear and some idea.
1: I never was a huge fan of grenadiers. I feel that that wh- why are you play militia if you're looking for elite troops. <laughs> the Nuncio box is the major one. I think. I think that I I, w- I would take uh, grenadiers only for uh, artillery spotting. Yes, yeah,
2: that that's a big strength. So you could have them. On the backfield with an anti vox and a couple of sniper rifles, for instance. Yeah, that'd be great. I don't, I don't, I don't so, really use know. them before. You use uh,
1: grenadiers. What do you think?
2: I, I've, I've always liked them. I've always liked the, um, the way different provenances unlock them and give you very, very different. I wouldn't say elite feel, but it gives you a very more specialist feel. Um, I, I always kind of use these as kind of like more like your elite army regiments. So when we're not talking about your proper Imperial army regiments, but you know, these guys are a little bit more specialist in their nature. So you're still focusing on the infantry squads as your base, but then rather than taking levies to really increase the numbers, you're taking grenadiers to kind of create that elite level. I like that. I, I like them. And um, I think it's very easy to sink a lot of points into these. Yeah. Um, I think they, they I think it's one of those potential tracks. A bit like veteran, um, Astartes, it's very easy to go, oh, I'm going to go for a bit of that and a bit of that and a bit of that before you know you've got almost like a 200-point unit. Um, I think, you, like you say, you want to use do them for a specific job. Either I want them to assault objectives, in which case I want lots of close combat weapons, short-range powerful guns like bolt guns or Volkite chargers or assault needlers, or I want them to be artillery spotters and I'll have a couple of long lasses or sniper rifles in the unit and I'll just keep the uncial vox to reduce the scatter on artillery weapons. So I think you need to build these with a plan. It's not like your levy that you can just throw forward and not care, or you can't use them as generically as your infantry squads. I think grenadiers have to have a purpose.
1: Yeah, I like. I get what you mean. Uh, I think artillery spotting is probably the best thing that they're going to do. I would love to build some up as uh, assault engineers, which would actually fit with the background yeah. of my army. You know, just a, 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 a assaulting a position and, and making a beachhead, but I don't know. Play play Solaroks at that point if that if that's the kind of army you want, play Rocks. Yeah, well,
2: Ox have got a slightly different feel, but yeah, I, yeah. I think it makes it's some cool last different. chances it's
1: though. That'd be cool. You could do a penal battalion. I never even thought about doing that. A penal penal battalion,
2: or if you're a fan of um, the Sharp series, these are like your chosen men. Yeah, yeah. Although, yeah. Your your recon squad is also similar to that. I'm going to come back to those later. Uh, So it kind of depends on your background for your force, really, doesn't it? So let's move on because we have not finished with the troop section because the next one is where we've talked about the Grenadiers being very specialist. The next two troop slots are very specialist, and that's our fire support squad and the recon squad. So fire support, these are where you find your heavier heavier troop or in place weapons don't you
1: yeah um so these are yeah these are your uh your standard uh heavy support squads that you'll remember from um imperial guard uh they can take mortars heavy bolters multi-lasers missile launchers auto cannons last cannons Uh, what i like about this is correct me if i'm wrong correct me if i'm wrong but uh now you can take them in units of three before it was five right yeah, it was a minimum of it yeah. was a minimum. Five I hated that because that takes up a lot of real estate. Yes, and also you don't need a unit of five last cannons to to shoot at one target. Should do a uh, should do a pen. I think you need five of militia. <laughs> no, I mean it's still the same last cannon. You're gonna you're gonna hit half the time. It's BS three and yeah. last cannon oh, yeah. like yeah. You you get a pen on a on a rhino uh, with three guys. I,
2: yeah I, oh, I think it depends on the fire weapon the type of weapon you're using because they can go up to squads of 10 now personally i think a squad of 10 mortars would be h- hilarious <laughs> <to use. laughs> yeah it's just like you see that area i want that area saturated in mortar shells 10 <laughs> but like you do say 10 multi lasers would be, would be like, <laughs> that's a lot of shots going down down range um But like you say, last cannons, you probably only want to keep in a squad of three because then you can snipe with them. They're a little bit more specialist as well, aren't they? Um, They do have two wounds to pop. Now, what is interesting here is you can put a discipline master with them. And don't forget, discipline masters only do D3 wounds that you can try to save.
0: Mm,
1: Yeah, you don't
2: automatically lose teams. No. And what is important is you don't want these guys falling back. They have a special rule called in place. Now, that means they can only make return fire or overwatch or interceptor reactions. They, that means they cannot make any other movement phase reactions other than interceptor. They can't make um, shrouding reactions or hold the line. And if they fall back for any reason, every single model is removed. Yep. So these are all, these (laughs) are all or nothing.
1: Yep. absolutely, but they do have, but it's not like, it's not like they're going to fall back with their guns. Right. I I actually, I, I like that rule. They're going to scatter. They're not going to pull that last cannon back.
2: Yeah. They're going to spike it and run. They are heavy. So you do get some re-rolls against blast weapons, but you know, you, you got your standard heavy weapons here. You got your mortar, you got heavy bolts and laser missile launcher, auto cannon, last cannon. Personally, if it was me, I, I've got a, a huge soft spot for mortars and auto cannons because I think you either want them to be saturation weapons or you want them to be dealing with potential other threats.
1: And I, see, I think I, with I, list- I disagree. I, I, my soft spot is for the old uh, metal last cannon for, for the old uh, Imperial guard, because it's the only weapon that actually looks like like a realistic weapon instead of having like a dude in a seat. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I do see it's the it. best I, looking of the heavy, of the old imperial guard heavy weapons
2: yeah I, I do like for new newer stars when they're on tr- uh, tripods they do look a little bit more set up as it were but yeah I mean there's options here for whatever you want isn't there yeah. um you could argue you want to take weapons that you're not going to find elsewhere so you, you could potentially find las cannons on your Lehman Russ for example however your Lehman Russ is probably shooting at other targets and don't forget don't forget, you can hide these a lot easier in buildings, so that will add their survivability that little bit more.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest improvement is just the fact that you can just take three stands now. You don't have yeah. to. No,
2: no. You only I mean, like we said, if you want to bulk up to ten, bulk Yeah, you up can to take 10, ten if you but... want.
1: But I like to have the option of just three because I feel like three last cannons is the good amount of last cannons. I don't think you need five.
2: I I wouldn't want to do more than five last cannons, more than three last cannons personally. But then other weapons, you may want to do. More bulk with like ten more, we ten more, ten more, ten, mor- ten mortars behind a hill with your grenadiers spotting and calling down via uh, yeah, yeah, the coordinates. There we that go. So frustrating.
1: <laughs> There's so many saves to.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm gonna just lay all the templates out and they're all overlapping each other. I think that's something like hundred saves on that. Yeah, you gotta make it, and of unit. course
1: your opponent's gonna make all of them because it's always the same oh, <laughs> with frag because
2: always they'll put them on artificial armor, won't they? Yeah. <laughs> And everything will be two, a bouncing three, on tubes. two. Four, two, three,
1: Uh Yeah. I hate it. I love it. I hate it.
2: <laughs> Move yeah. it along. And then the final one, and I love these guys. The, this is the Recon Squad. I've got I've always got a soft spot for Light Infantry. They're a little bit different to the last version. Um, these are, for what's for better word, more much more specialist militia. Still the same stat line you know, still leadership six, still leadership five, six on the sergeant. Four scout sergeant or one scout sergeant, four scouts. They've all got shotguns, frag, and flak armor. Uh, They've got light uh, traits, so that means in cover they've got three-inch coherency, but they gain bonuses to their cover saves. And they also have scout infiltrate roof through cover. So if you just buy a basic squad, you could use these to get onto cover or even threaten flanks of your opponents because they can move through cover easily they get bonuses to cover so and a lot of cover they're going to be up to fours at least possibly threes in some places but you can increase them up to squads of 10 you can either give them las carbines or stub carbines or five models in a unit you can give long lasses or sniper rifles now you know in a perfect world you don't only want you want the entire squad to be armed with those number. But what this means is you can do the classic sniper pair. So one guy with the sniper rifle, one guy with the long arm. And then when you start taking casualties, you're not having to take them off his sniper rifles to start with. Oh, you've that's got point. some, yeah. you've got some bodies in the way to take those initial hits. The sergeant can give, be given a melter bomb. I feel that's a trap. Explain. Why Why would you want to be giving your sergeant a melter bomb in a squad like this? I don't know. Unless you want to infiltrate and then like a commando raid onto tanks on the rear
1: line. But I think That's exactly what you should you do. Know. That sounds amazing.
2: It would be amazing the one time it works. Most of the rest of the time it will be gunned down by defensive weapon fire as it goes in. I guess that's fair. I like it. I I like the Recon Squad. They are expensive. Those Sniper Rifles, Long lasses, they are expensive. If you want to take a maximum amount of models with that, it pretty much doubles the points cost of the unit. But, we have all seen in version 2 how good Long lasses and Sniper Rifles are in-game.
1: I've never used uh, the uh, Reconnaissance Squads in the last version. Um, I mean, if you're down, if if you really dig, like, Gaunt's Ghosts and stuff like that, for sure this will be fun. I, I don't, I don't feel that any of the troop choices are on par with just your regular militia squad. No, I I do see what you mean. I think
2: a lot of it depends on the theme of your army. So I think if you've got a theme that lends itself to things like recon squads, you're still going to be bulking out the majority of your troop choices on your infantry squads. But because you can also now take Three troops in a or three infantry squads in a troops choice that frees up you using other troops choice slots to take things like grenadiers and recon squads, so it will give us a bit more for a variety in militia armies rather than just you're you're 100% true. Yeah, here is my six six units of levy like we did in version one because those were only troop slots you had.
1: Yeah, you're 100% right. So, just generally for troops, massive improvement.
2: Oh, massive. I, and I think the big improvement is being able to take multiple units in one slot. 18.
0: <laughs> if you don't take yes.
1: 18 units, you're not playing this game right.
0: Minimum mm, 10.
2: I,
1: minimum 10. I, I,
2: yeah, I, I I would disagree. I think you also want to take at least one grenadier and one, one heavy weapon team. Yeah,
1: well. I, I, I think it's going to be essential for uh, artillery spotting.
2: Yeah, because otherwise you're relying on your command cadre to do all your artillery spotting, yeah. which means they need to be in line of sight of things. And then they're going to attract all the sniper rifle fire.
1: What a, what a giant improvement though. How incredible is, is the improvement?
2: Yeah. And like we're saying, you can do things in different ways. You can, you can move this forward into different directions. You can go down the levy route. I mean, if you're doing that cult horde, you know, calf muster with all the word bearer, um, cult units, you could go levy for days for all of those i mean i think is it cult horde that also gives you line with it as well this endless Wh- uh i don't know rabble gives you crusader and hatred everything awesome <laughs> there we go um you can unending Horde. F- yeah tainted f- uh, yeah unending horde allows you to recycle all of those units <laughs> on a four pl- or any malicious squads or levy squads on a four plus <laughs>
0: 18, and I in. mean,
1: chances are nine are coming yeah. back.
2: Tainted flesh gives you fear one and furious charge special rules one. So, <laughs> but you must take a levy as your compulsory troop choices. So, you know, th- th- there's lots of ways to be bulking out your list and you're not limited to just infantry squads, but yeah, they're, they're stronger. And I think, just in terms of their war gear, they're stronger because last time you had what the, the auxiliary rifle to begin yep. with, and then you had to upgrade to las carbines or, or las rifles. No, you start with the last las carbines, guns. but you, right? yeah, you do now. Yeah, no, you and also start the las carbines. Mean, um, no, last time you started with the auxiliary rifle, which was
1: horrifically terrible. Oh, that's weapon. right, yeah, yeah. Um, so so auto yeah, they rifles. start with the las guns. Oh, I didn't even notice that they start with the las yeah. guns, though. Oh, they can shoot rifle. eighteen inches. Uh, sorry, twenty-four. Because before it was eighteen. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the auxiliary last rifle yeah. was uh, was uh, was was eighteen. Eighteen, yeah.
2: So there is no difference between las guns and las rifles now. So auto rifles are twenty-four inch range, strength three. Rifles, oh no, there's yeah, there's difference between
1: the 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 Auxilia, uh
2: last rifle. Yeah, the last rifle. The las rifle. There's a difference. Las carbines, eighteen inch range, strength three, AP six, but assault two. So, if you really want fast moving units, you can upgrade some things to LAS carbines. Stub carbines are 12 inch range, strength three, assault three. So, not quite as good as a LAS one, not nowhere near as good as a LAS carbine, but significantly cheaper. But you do get an extra shot. So, assault three at 12 inches. Plus, that means you can run and charge. You can shoot and charge, can't you? So, there you go. That's something to consider. So, you know. I like the fact there are different choices in weapons. Uh, laz, long las, 48 inches, strength 6, AP4, Heavy 1, Sunder, Pinion, and Sniper. It's not a bad Beauty. weapon, is it? Beauty. Um, where's a standard sniper rifle? Sniper rifle, Wait, is 72, well, strength 5. What in this list can take a last rifle? Um, with the army of old knight, any than one who oh, has a yeah, las yeah, yeah. gun can gotcha, exchange you. for a las rifle, because las rifles automatically come with blast charges
1: as well. Yep. Oh, so Face um, auxilia all the time.
2: Yeah, range eighteen, strength six, AP four. That's a shock for people when they get up close, isn't it? Oh, hello, automata! Bang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what I think we're trying to say from this is there is a lot of options to make. Um, you know, you, you're not fixed to as many things. I was just looking at auto pistols, actually. Auto pistol strength 9, AP3, but... Uh, sorry, strength range 9, strength yeah, 3, but pistol 2. Pistol 2 is pretty good pistol
1: for a two? pistol. Where's pistol 2?
2: Well, uh, pistol, two. pistol means you're using close combat, but pistol 2 means you get two shots at that 9 inches rather than just one. Oh,
1: excellent yeah there's so much good stuff in here um okay so i think that's gonna uh have to be it for for today's episode of the militia yeah so we, we went through hq and troops uh next episode we'll go through elites and uh fast attack and heavy sport which might be another who knows who knows how many episodes it's gonna be. We, can we can talk about, about cargo weights so uh, yeah we're gonna talk about cargo weights too oh <laughs> uh, this is so uh this is so great <laughs> so what would be your general conclusion up to now
2: I'm really enjoying it. Um, I think, let's face it, if you go against an Astartes army or even a Solar ox army, you're going to struggle. You are going to struggle, but you're going to have a lot of fun. And I think that's the key thing about this army list: is it's fun. There's a loads of modelling choices. You're free to make your own decisions. You can very much personalize this. You know, with the Astartes Legion, you got 18 choices you have to fit into one of those 18 choices. Solar Ox, you're locked into the nine cohorts styles they have. Mechanicum, you've got Cybernetica or Tagmata or Redactor. You know, other list, there's a lot of limited choices. Militia is, have all these provinces, customize your army however you want.
1: Off you go, have fun. This army will struggle until you send in the next wave. And... Most importantly, power armor is for posers. This isn't the first time the universe has come close to killing me since I moved to the 7th Legion, but I think this might be my last recording. She has its teeth. I didn't even think I would be alive now. I have no idea if anyone will listen to this. Maybe you're one of the unseen, right? Do you understand this? I hope you all die. Every last one of you sneaky bastards can fall into a star for all that I care. Right. Right. Not helpful at all. Let's start again. I am Laurentius Valdemir of the Remembrancer Corps, currently aboard the 7th Legion vessel Hope's Oblivion. We are currently trying to get back to the main expeditionary fleet but have taken serious battle damage in two encounters with the Unseen. We got three of theirs, but that doesn't seem to put them off anymore. Emperor of Terra, they followed us through a warp jump. When they started attacking ships in transit, I thought perhaps it was luck. Opportunistic. The same ships attacked us in two star systems 30 light-years apart. Even so, our navigator, Benjamin Hidalin of House said that there was no pursuit. He watched, waited to see a translation bubble, but there wasn't one. If they chased us one way as we headed out towards the rim of the Octus, what's to stop the Unseen following us back in? Rogaldorn sent us. Sent a dozen ships to make contact with the other expeditionary fleets. To find one of his brothers. Maybe one of the others got past, but I don't see how. Certainly nothing's coming in. If Horus or the Lion or Fulgrim have sent anyone to check on our progress, they didn't reach the 7th. Maybe they'll act on that. Could be powering their way into the eclipses as I store these words. The eclipsis is what the navigators have started calling this region. They've had nothing of the Astronomic Hand for a while, but this place seems to be the deepest part of the region, shadowed by the northern major warp storm. The thing is, Rogaldorn sent out the ships, fast ones, to bring word to his brothers to warn them, not to ask for help. We'll be translating back into real space in a few minutes. Benjamus has been trying to evade any pursuit, and he has been switching streams and throwing us into currents and vortices, apparently, and won't have any idea where we are until we break warp again. But the idea is that the Unseen won't have a clue either. It might work, but I'm not hopeful. I... I'm a coward. I thought this would be my chance to get out of the night, away from the darkness, by the throne. I've been in the vanguard since the beginning. I've seen what's happening. There have been some close calls, let me tell you. This was the closest though. We lost artificial environment and gravity for 10 minutes. I almost suffocated to death, floating above my own cot. The blast doors had sealed the corridor outside. I'm not getting through, am I? Maybe none of us will. I can't stop thinking about those earlier fleets, lost in the night, gone, nothing left. Damn, but we haven't seen anything of them either. No wrecks, prisoners, not a single scrap of evidence that tens of thousands of men and women lost their lives in this abyss the only way to survive now is strength in numbers, watching each other's backs. Like their soldiers, their ships are hit and run, their armor crumples as soon as they take a solid broadside, so they have been reluctant to attack groups of half a dozen or more vessels, even though clearly they could outnumber us if they wanted to. The only thing that stops me just getting a pistol and making it quick is the knowledge that Rogaldorn leads us. At every stage there has been a plan, a shift, that brilliant mind of his piecing together each shred of information, every morsel of intelligence. Unless one of the other Primarchs arrives to aid us, the only way out of this darkness is through the Unseen. Defeat them, and we get out. I trust, I still believe, that Rogaldorn can do that. Alright, welcome to Tales of Heresy. Today's Tale of Heresy is another one of our little palate cleanser uh, Primarch uh, 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 reviews between uh giant series now as most of you know the next giant series that we're going to do is the last book in the whole series so we will have done the whole thing in the last eight years uh so that's going to be hidden dagger very dagger we do it's this hit- every time is it, <laughs> is it- <laughs> which one is it we
2: do it every time
1: no seriously ah oh, never mind it's it's gonna be the it's gonna Barry be the death dagger. card one it's it's gonna it's be the buried. Death Guard one. Buried, eh? Buried Diger. Did I see him? Buried Diker. You went for hidden. I, I always do that. Okay. This isn't a joke. I literally have like a brain fart every single time I have to mention the name of that episode. So that's gonna be a fun and frustrating uh, three or four episode series for our listeners, as I constantly forget the name of the book. But anyways, it's that's gonna be referred
2: to as it's just gonna keep ke- referred to as the final book from the series. Yeah, that's how we Guard go around one. it.
1: Yeah. Um the one we were why did they call it Plague Fleet? She's called the Play fleet. Oh. I always assumed it was going to be called Play fleet. We'll we'll save that discussion for when we yeah, get right. to that novel. But anyways, so we're going to do a primark uh, novel today uh, to sort of, you know, get out of the, the 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 epicness of the the large books and into the epicness of the small books. And this is nothing if not an epic book. So we're going to talk about um uh, Rogaldorn, The Emperor's Crusader by uh, Thorpe. Uh so before we go into it, do you have an efficient synopsis of of this of this novel? Novella.
2: Um I've really struggled with this one. I've really struggled with this one. Um No, I've got nothing. I, I cannot think of an efficient synopsis other than being boring gets you a good job.
1: Ooh, that's 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 nasty. Um It is. It is, I know. I've really struggled. I was thinking what about, about you? you. Do as you're told. You do as you're told. No, yeah. yeah, that's the that's the, the basic idea of it. Some people are. Uh, what was the, what Was the old Angron quote where he stopped being warhounds because dogs obey? Yes. Like are yeah, not the 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 space yeah, wolves yeah, are aren't. You're not wolves. Dogs obey. Yeah. You're dogs, and that's why we're no yeah. longer dogs. We're no longer hounds. Hounds obey. Well, so do fists. It seems. It really does. Um, I'm going to be straight up
2: front and honest on this one. I really did not like this book. Really? Yeah.
0: I actually yeah, really liked the, it.
2: The, the only part I liked in this book, well, there's the, the, elements I liked. I liked seeing the interactions between Crusader and Primarchs because that's always fun. It is, yeah. And I like the ending. Not because it just meant the novel was over, but I liked the twist at the end. It was quite a lovely twist. Yeah, which we'll come to. We, we will not spoil yeah. that now because we need to get to that stage. But yeah, but
1: it's I, I think there's, because... a, there's, a solid, there's a solid through line that leads to that uh, twist. So, so it, um, I was on the one hand surprised because it was I think it was effective twist and good job, Gav. Um, but at the same time, I think it fit well. It, it didn't come out of nowhere. It fits with uh, no. the story. It, it fits with the story and it fits with the Great Crusade themes.
2: But it's not an obvious Great Crusade theme, is it? So, okay, let's let's put in the background to the novel. Let's put in the background to the novel first, for, or the novella. So it kicks off with Ran and, Fafnir Ran and Sigismund at the Siege of Terror, right at the beginning of the siege. Just as we assume this, the Sol campaign has been ended, Horace's fleets are in orbit, and they're looking out across the devastation of what's coming. And they're talking about why were we chosen? Why was the Seventh Legion chosen to remain on terror? Malkador appears and basically tells them or reminds them of the story of the Night Crusade. And that was a reason that Re- Dawn's actions of Night Crusade is what basically cemented his role as a Praetorian of terror. So yeah, we get then- a little... So God.
1: Yeah, and then we get, uh, you know, the flashback as as characters are, characters are reminiscing about something they both, um, it did feel a little bit, um, you know, that old sci-fi trope of, as you know, you know, like uh, when people are talking about something they both know, yeah. uh, but the, the audience it, does not, it's, it's not like a, a good that pops in, right?
2: Yeah, it is Malkador, the good old Malkador. Um, it, it's it's one of those classic sci-fi TV shows, isn't it? That they have a flashback episode to explain something from a character's past.
1: Yeah. Well, let's be honest. All the Primark series are kind of like that.
2: They are, but this one felt like it even more because we started with something in the present and then it led to us to the past. All the other, the majority of the other Primark novels, they are just set historically. So it's like reading a historical novel. Yeah, this one was very much a very clear you are here because of these events. Let's let's talk about what these events were.
1: Okay, so what were the events? Why would so why does this tell saying, you everything uh, according to Malkador? Why does this answer the question of why is it us? Why was it the Imperial Fists that were given the task of returning to Terra while you know Gullman would have done a good job, I think uh to be to be honest we don't say a lot of nice things about gilman but frankly Terra would probably look like a much nicer place if gilman was in charge doing all the administrative work i i think if you listen back to previous episodes we're quite positive about Gilliman. yeah i don't think we've been as mean as uh, as sometimes i think we've been
2: no I, I i think generally we're quite positive about Gilliman because we can appreciate a good empire builder he's pretty good at what he does he he's good at what he that. does at yeah. setting up a heretical second <laughs> Imperium <laughs> while the Emperor is busy fighting for his life. He's pretty good at that. Let's, let's face yeah. it. Do we um, like Gollimin now? We've always we've always liked the Dark Omega section of the old Marines.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> I know that's fun. The black omega. Um <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, there's, so, there's there's some fun, there's some fun uh psychic stuff in this too, uh, that you could you could, you you would see out of uh, the cycor. Yeah. Absolutely. So
2: what's going on? What's the premise of this? So this is the Night Crusade, and this is quite a big deal in the history of the Great Crusade. So it's set in the far north of the Imperium, and it's basically an area of null space. So it's beyond the reach of the Astronomicon, which automatically makes it dangerous, because it's very easy for fleets to get lost or dispersed. There have been three previous expeditionary fleets sent into this area, and all contact with them have been lost. So, and it's, let's be honest, it's quite unusual to lose complete contact with an expeditionary fleet. Normally that suggests they're completely wiped out because if they're lost, there's normally indications about why they've been lost. But in these cases, nothing has been received at all. So the emperor actually dispatches four primarchs to this crusade, and that by itself tells us a lot about the importance of this crusade. So who does he send? He sends Horus, which in this case is the prime marker for Lunar Wolves. He sends Dawn and the Seventh. He sends Fulgrim and the Third. And this is once the Third have become separated from the Lunar Wolves. So they are, they've are they recovered from their genetic issues, we'll, we'll say. And we've also got the First Legion, led by Lionel Johnson, who has only just taken over. The legion and started on his great crusade journey. So he's very young, he's very inexperienced, and he wants to prove himself.
1: So this is very imperial too. So we send three, oh, yeah. three expeditionary fleets into a sector. They're all destroyed. Let's send four. See what Let, happens.
2: Let's send four sent but led by four primarchs. It's not just four other yeah. expeditionary fleets. Yeah, I, I would the, imagine that the the
1: the, the 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 expeditionary fleets they'd before were like. Um, what is a small one that got that gets in trouble at murder? I don't remember um, in, in in Horse Rising. It's so like a very like a small um, fleet. If there was a Sturdi's at all, there'd probably be like a few companies. Um, yes. Yeah, so no. Now the Imperial Legions.
2: Yeah, and they do mention that the entire legions go, don't they? Well, I mean, to be fair, in the case of a third, they're probably quite small.
1: Yeah. So you
2: know, but they do take an entire quarter of the campaign by themselves. So they they are operating at a good strength even if they're not the size of the seventh or the first at this stage so what normally happens when four primarchs go on campaign together because remember this is before Horace's War warmaster this is before the Ulina campaign so he has not been declared warmaster yet so he is just he's not first amongst equals He is just one amongst equals and traditionally when you send four primarchs or Two even two Primarchs on campaign. What happens?
1: Incessant squabbling.
2: Incessant, yeah, because they're brothers and they all want to prove themselves. And you've probably got three of some of the most egotistical Primarchs involved. Yeah. You've got Fulgrim. So straight away, form of Grim was always going to push himself Of perfection more
1: important than everything.
2: But you've but got
1: free heresy, pre-Istvan of Fulgrim is everybody keeps saying about how good he is. He is widely regarded as one of the most effective primarchs, and of course, the hubris that came along with that it was his downfall.
2: Absolutely, you've got Horus, who is very, very concerned with getting victories under his belt. Yeah, and why? Why was
1: concerned. one of the main reasons that uh, that 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 Horus, that one of his? Well, we'll talk about in a minute uh, why he's so effective. But one of the things that always comes back up with Horus one is his strategic. Uh, genius, which we see uh here and again, we just saw it in Titan Death. Um, uh, but uh, the other one is he's a masterful politician and and he was given um the job of War Master for a very very good reason,
2: yeah, absolutely. And we, we do see that, but we also know he can, and the 16th can very much be a case of hit compliance and move on yeah. without putting the groundwork in to secure that, which we see in 6319. Um We've then got the Lion. Now, the First Legion always want to uphold themselves a lot more, but we also have a Lion who's only just started with a Great Crusade and really wants to prove himself. So we know how aggressive the Lion can be in pushing for victories. We saw it in his own Primark novel. We've seen it in Russ's Primark novel as well. A very young, inexperienced Lion is going to push himself even more. And then they seem to put it in... Dawn as the complete foil to all of these, don't they? Mm. Yep. So Whereas the other three prime marks are very much we're going to go for strategic, we're going to go for quick victories. Dawn is very much no, we're going to do step by step, methodical processes to get a complete con- to get the overall aim of what we're aiming for, and also at multiple points throughout this story, he keeps referring back to. This is what the Emperor wants. And he goes by the letter of what the Emperor is saying, whereas the other Primarchs are a little bit more flexible. If we want to put it in gaming terms, Rogal Dawn is very much rules as written rather than rules yeah. as intended. <laughs> that is a really Rogel good way Dorn, to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he is very much your absolute rules lawyer. So that's all I know. If you look in this paragraph here, it clearly states this, this, and this. It can only have this meaning. That's what the rules say, and that's his personality as he comes through it.
1: But okay, let's go back now, uh, before we go into the different strategies, uh, because the conclave uh, about the attack into um, well, the Night Crusade uh, it really starts with um, assaults, multi legionary assaults on two separate old human civilizations, the Scathians, and what were the other ones? Oh, this is another issue I have with this book is it's not divided into chapters. The Damarine. Yeah. So the skatings of the Damarine. Actually, you know what? You're absolutely right. Let's 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 talk about the, the structure real quick. Because the structure is one of the things I absolutely adored about this book. There's good things. Tell me why I'm wrong. Challenges
2: about this. I really massively dislike the fact it's not divided up into chapters. It's divided up into clear sections. Fine. I can handle that. The cha- having a chapter is a clearly defined section of information and it's easy to transverse between that Now what I do like that they have are the remembrance of notes
1: yeah you yeah, have word no I, I I disagree because I think you have chapters just they're just not called chapters and each chapter is a specific uh period in time um uh, yes. I think, you, I think, I think what, Thorpe, what what Thorpe did here was incredibly effective. So instead of actual, you know, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, you pretty much have separate um, self-enclosed sections for a particular uh, period in time. And then they all kind of uh, uh, um, shoot ahead a few years um in, in in some case a few weeks and sometimes a few years and and in between every one of these sections you have war reporting where you have a rem- remembrancer and uh remembrances were always a lot of fun for sort of introduce uh sort of introducing you into the universe and sort of having a an objective view of this well objective not really objective but like dispassionate or s- different i think view. the important thing about what it's like what we said before about remembrances they give us very much a human view yeah there you go
2: it's it's disassociated from the astartes. the astartes are very much we have a job to do and we're going to do it but primarchs even more so than that they've got that slight inhuman detachment whereas the remembrances are telling us what is the average human in the fleet thinking and feeling about this and i do agree the, the night crusade is a long period of time isn't it and obviously, you've got the vagaries of warp travel in there as well, which doesn't help. But you are correct. The novel is divided up into strategic sections, isn't it? It says yeah. we're going to have this section of the campaign, and then the next section is a little bit longer. The next section for campaign, and so on. That does work effectively. However, for navigating your book, book around, I, I still would have liked specific chapters, but the remembrance links and. Remembrance really sums up the campaign, doesn't it? That hope at the beginning of the campaign, the despair in the Mm. middle section when things are going quite badly wrong for everyone, to be honest, and then that kind of recognition that the Primarchs are pulling together and finding some success from potentially defeats, but also the shock as they discover what happened to the previous expeditionary fleets as well. But also what I quite like is remembrance talking about kind of the psychological impact of being so far away from the astronomicon and therefore the imperium but also being out in the void for so long with no additional human contact
1: well one of the remembrancers is like literally talks about eating his gun at one point because he's so you know yeah it's uh, yeah it 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 does show because again, the, the, one of the things that's so terrifying about this particular section of space is and part of the big mystery for the whole thing is that the Astronomicon, the Astronomic hand does not Well,
2: it doesn't shine the light. doesn't does it? shine there, in this no, area. Yeah. You are the So there's all no reference the point. Yeah, there's no reference point and the Navigator character who's the head of his house is a really interesting character I feel because we don't see enough for Navigators. Too often they're I think of the novels, they're too often used as part of basically just a navigation, literally a navigation tool. Well, we're going to use it to get from point A to point B. Mm. This novel actually shows the real stress that the navigators are under. And this particular navigator has volunteered with the Seventh Legion because he sees this as an opportunity to raise the profile of his house, to raise the profile of. His family, his Navigator family so he can be more in running to take over the overall control of all the Navigator families. So he's very much doing this not from the greater Imperial perspective, but because of internal house politics.
1: And Yeah, this is a terrifying experience for uh, the Navigators. They have an idea of how they can get they can get through, but let's let's go back for a sec uh, for a minute before we start uh, talking about the uh, the main uh, plunge into this area. Uh, which is called uh, the night zone which i love um something like delightfully old pulp sci-fi about about that name um so first of all the 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 fight two compliance actions against two human civilizations in both cases what what i really like about this and and, and it's just your standard compliance actions against a civilization that does not want to you know that doesn't take well to uh, the imperial entreaties uh, they fight back and, and Dorn. Is kind of hesitant or tries to find a diplomatic solution, uh, much to his credit. Yep. But when they say no, then no, you're getting destroyed. Um, I love the contrast between Dorn here and a horse when faced with the Interrex. Uh, Whereas Dorn did everything that he needed to do, he didn't want to spell any extra human. His orders were we're not here as conquerors, we're here to free. Uh, these civilizations were here as liberators uh, and if they don't understand that they should want to be freed then yeah we'll we'll, we'll crush them um, and Horus was faced with the same problem the difference is Horus actually had a doubt from it there's still that line in Horus Rising where so- the Interacts tell Horus why can't you just leave us alone and Horus is like that's a good point and it haunts him yeah not at no point did uh, a doubt th- a doubt himself in the way that Horace doubted himself.
2: No, absolutely. But what Dorne is also doing at multiple points is giving giving the compliance action multiple points to stop at certain stages. He doesn't bombard civilian areas or he keeps repeating signals for surrender as well. So although he is deploying the legion and we know how devastating any Astarte's legion can be when they're deployed, he's given multiple points for the central governments to go, okay, we quit, we had enough
1: well those are his orders yeah those are, he's, he's he, following he, his, his orders exactly they're there as liberators and they have to uh liberate these human civilizations but he's never but again he never asked himself it's like yeah, he's never asked himself is is, is this right no what's not, right is what the emperor told him to do and yes he's going to try to do it without us with a minimum of bloodshed but he's still going to conquer these worlds or liberate them as far as he's concerned
2: but also what's quite interesting is the casualties this is causing by dawn's forces are higher than expected so by by not deploying the full might of his legion and mm. trying to save those civilian populations he's taken heavier casualties so this is something more that we'd find similar to like gilliman for example whereas we get the impression that the other three primarchs in the campaign are just carrying out well, compliance is according to their own legion doctrines and having more success in that. Whereas Dawn, taking this much more methodical, literally following the orders word for word, is causing high casualties amongst his expeditionary fleet and not just amongst the Astartes, amongst the Imperial Army members as well.
1: So after uh, the Skadian and Demarine, Demarine, right? I just said it. After those yeah. two compliances, um, they decide, well, they have a conclave decide okay how are we going to push further into into the night zone and it's decided there's there's three contending plans the lion argues that they should caliban's is is fairly close by uh, or kind of borders the night zone and he believes that we should create a staging area around caliban and then that way we'll have strong logistics. Doesn't sound well. I guess the Lions always pretty good at logistics. But then we can we can strike into uh, sort of I, I guess the the east of the night zone, if I remember the the the, the cartography correctly. Yeah. So we can they could strike it out on the side using Caliban as a main uh, logistical base. So that should be uh, the main the main thrust, one single thrust from Caliban. Bulgrim, however, has a different idea that they should actually take a circular pattern. Right. Kind of use movement, yeah. which is very much uh, in his wheelhouse. Right. And kind of circle around, slowly circling into into the in, into the center.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's ve- it's very much the tactics of the two legions, isn't it? I mean, you take the, the first legion, they're very much to use of striking out from the fortress. That, that's how the night yep. orders work on, on Caliban. We know the third legion are very much a, an army of maneuver. You know, and, and grand sweeping maneuvers that show off their expertise. Dawn, on the other hand, is being much blunter, isn't he? He says, like, well no, we'll just drive up center.
1: Yeah, our orders are to to to, to seize all these worlds for the emperor. So why yeah. are we why are we being fancy here? Just drive up to the center. We'll go into yeah. the to the right up the middle. Yeah. They'll never expect a forward frontal attack. Yeah. <laughs> What was the sign? Remember, remember, Blackadder. What was the uh, uh that that quote from the General Haig uh character? Yes, or, they,
2: they'll never okay. expect. Yeah, they, and then there's the classic red dwarf one as well. They'll never expect a forward frontal assault over minefields. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, Dorn Dorn's plan is again. That's his orders. His orders are to seize this area and why why are we making this more complicated than it needs to be just hammer into it yeah, yeah and him perderabo would probably both agree on this plan if perderabo had been sent to uh uh to to to, to break this the stalemate perderabo probably say it's like yeah that's probably the correct the, the correctly yeah. said more waves we'll, we'll absolutely that, that'll solve the problem uh more and artillery also, more infantry
2: yeah <laughs> just keep just keep throwing bodies at Be all right just
1: bash them till they say uncle
2: They haven't got a safety word. We'll be all right. Yeah, exactly. Um, The the other thing that's helped them as well is in their previous two compliances, they've picked up new uh, solar charts. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So they're hoping that's going to help navigate them through the abyss. We'll we'll refer to it as the the abyss, the night crusade area. Um, And Dawn keeps turning around to the navigator and saying, well, you promised you could make this work. You are going to make this work, aren't you? And the Navigator is starting to realise a little bit more as, not, as the tale goes on, isn't he? How much the challenge this is actually going to be, but he's feeling much more confident about this now. The Conclave:
1: we have four Primarchs.
2: Three plans. Of them have a
1: bit of the fl- three plans. Four Primarchs. Yeah, because Horus shockingly isn't committing himself to a single plan, is he? And he doesn't have his own, which I find interesting. Yeah. He shows up at the end, and everybody's like, well, Horace is... Horace pretty good when he does. And they're all like, okay, these are our plans. What does Horace think? And everybody's like, well, Horace is going to have his own plan. Horace doesn't have his own plan. Uh, and 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 so how is he going to break the deadlock? Again, depending on which brother sent here, the deadlock is broken in different ways. Like, do yes. they go with Dorns frontal assault right down the middle? do they go with uh Fulgram's sort of circular plan of gradually squeezing uh the night zone um in 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 concentric concentric attacks uh and or do you go with the lion fortifying a, 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 a uh, a base on on that's already fortified at Caliban, but using the base of Caliban as a logistical hub, as that castle, as you mentioned, and driving into the side of the night zone. What does Horus? I'm going to let you say it because it's your boy. What does Horus decide well, to do? Horus,
2: being the master tactician and the best of his brothers, really praises them all up, doesn't he? He says, "Oh yeah, you know, Rookle's got a good point that." This, the center of the oculus nebulous will be where or the oculus Noctus will be where the hardest re- fighting is the seventh are the, the stronger of the legions because they have a larger of the legions amongst us they should lead the way and he really praises up all of them so he says well the best plan we could certainly follow and all of these is all of them go and do your own things go and have fun and i love fulgroom's response Fulgroon's response is a ah, decision not to make a decision. That's real wisdom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I knew, <laughs> I did, knew did, did that did you read that sarcastically emotional. the way that I did? Oh, massively. Massively. <laughs> but I like Horace's response. It's because I tell the best war stories.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, why why this is why Horace, uh, yeah, why Horace is considered uh, the best of us because I tell the best war stories. Um Yeah. Th- this, this is this is the this is the Horace. This is why the uh, Horus is the war master. It's not only, again, as I mentioned, his strategic acumen, which is second to none, but they're all pretty good at it. And uh, depending on what you want to do, Horus is the war master for a reason. As we keep mentioning, but one of those reasons is he's a politician. He's a consummate yeah. diplomat and politician. And- the way that a lot of his brothers are not. This is it. He knows how to get the best from his
2: brothers by playing to their own strength and also stroking their ego because they all have massive egos. Some more than others, looking at you, Fulgrim, but he knows to get how to elicit the best response from every single of his brothers in the best situation. And sometimes that the best way to do that is go and do your own thing.
1: Yeah, I, but, I think that Horace immediately understood that the squabbling wasn't going to end. Uh, If he no. decided on one side, the other two would get jealous because these are three quite arrogant tracks. I'm sorry there. A lot of Imperial Fist. Well, yep. oh, no, Dorn isn't arrogant. He's very arrogant. Um yeah. And and, and the, 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 so you have a situation where like a good thing is Peter is not there too. But you have a situation where they're not going to stop arguing. They're not going to stop bickering. Uh if you no. choose one over the others, the other two will feel slighted. The best course of action is just do your split them up. And of course, the idea is like, well, the whole idea of sending four expeditionary fleets at the same time is because they sent three one at a time and they all got destroyed. Yeah. But again, as you mentioned earlier, these, these are full
2: legions. This, this is the imperial method of war, isn't it? Is if all else fails, we'll just send more bodies in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we, we can win a war of attrition. At any point, that's all the emperor ever fights is a war of attrition. Yes, they've got some fancy tank, you've got spear tip tactics, you've got the white scars with the cavalry modes, you've got, you know, the siege breakers amongst them, like the fourth and the seventh. But fundamentally, what it comes down to is we will have more bodies than you to throw into this campaign. And fundamentally, we've seen multiple times in these Primarch books that they come up against quite superior forces. But what allows the Imperium to win is we can just keep throwing bodies in yeah.
1: It is one of the interesting themes in the Primarch books that a lot of the time during the Great Crusade, the Imperium winds up fighting uh, civilizations that have more advanced technology than them. And this is a perfect example. In this, yeah, oh yeah, let's because, go into the uh, let's go into the uh, what 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 they wind up calling the unseen. Like what yeah. was it that destroyed those three expeditionary fleets? Lovely little mystery going in.
2: Yeah, and I like how they built up the mystery. I, I like how we have that mystery for quite some time because it starts off, doesn't it? We're, and it now moves to mostly the, the Seventh Legion's perspective, which you'd expect. This is the Seventh Legion Prime novel. And Dawn is basically making his fleet go amass. It's basically a big, a big wedge, isn't it, going into the central space. And relatively early on, they lose a flotilla of ships they're just knocked out completely. And an Imperial Fist captain actually offers his resignation over this because they were under his protection and he didn't see what what destroyed them. And one of the things that I like liked about this middle section of the novel was that build-up of we don't know what they're coming up against. Are they Xenos? Are they human? Are they chaos based demonic we we just don't know and i liked how that builds up that area of tension and because we were only seeing it from first of all the overall command section with dawn and then we sometimes we're only seeing it from remembrance's viewpoint we never got the viewpoint for people who are engaging with these unseen enemy until the point where they do make the final contact
1: so this is a force that this is an enemy that keeps ambushing them. Uh, they seem incredibly concerned about making sure that the Imperials know a, a minimum about them. You know, they uh, in engagements they'll have a, a, a counterstroke just to recover bodies so the Imperials don't find any. Um, yeah, their their ships always attack and 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 disappear back into the void, much like the Eldar would. Uh, yeah, if 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 well, it's a little bit foreshadowing, I think. Uh, maybe inadvertent foreshadowing, but uh, they're they well, they seem very some... effective. Also, their their laser weapon uh, weaponry is better than anything the Imperium has. They can fire yeah. up to like twenty. Their, their ship lasers can fire up twenty five percent um further than Imperial equivalents. So they're staying at a distance. They're not. They're they're a quite capable enemy.
2: They the Imperials don't know nothing to... about them. Yeah, they're long range hit and run fighters. they are long-range hit-and-run fighters—they don't have void shields; they have some form of energy shield instead. Yeah, power so, field. They call them power yeah. fields.
1: Marketing yeah. back, I think the um, second
2: edition. Yes. Yeah. Um, like you say, their lances are much, much better. Um, as it was building up, my mind was thinking, and it would because I've played them for a long time. Is are they coming up against elder? Is I know. I thought the same be, thing. Uh,
1: I was sure it's going to be dark elder or something.
2: Yeah, because so many of the things that they were describing, so many of the methods of fighting and how they were hit and running all the time—that is classic Elder tactics. So was this going to be potentially a Craft world, or was it going to be early forms of Dark Elder? The only thing that wasn't making me convinced about that is the Imperium know the Elder; they fought them before, so they would recognise yep. the ships of technology and that was the only kind of thing to hold me back on that but i liked how they built this up so how does dawn pin them down because he changes his tactics doesn't he because what he was doing isn't working
1: well he wants he he needs to recon he needs to figure out who he's fighting so he um in one engagement he decides to board an enemy ship unfortunately that doesn't turn out great because the ship immediately tries to ram the phalanx afterwards to avoid getting getting captured i suppose Um, Yeah. But they managed to get out of that, but they do capture some Unseen. Now, what I quite like is even when they're involved in this board action,
2: the Unseen actually have personal cloaking devices. They kind of shimmer in and out.
1: Like like, like they're hollow
2: fields.
0: Yeah. Like hollow fields uh, or
1: chameleon? I, I thought it was more like hollow fields, like a personal hollow field. It's kind of
2: like a mix between the two, isn't it? Because it's certainly disrupting them and certainly making them much more difficult to pin down to a point where even all the different kind of vision enhancements that Stati's helmets have cannot pick them up. They're really struggling
1: to pick them up. Yeah, and what are the, the Imperial Fists do adapt their, their tactics. And that, that's how they actually capture these guys, um, is by they stop actually targeting anyone. They just use volley fire. Yeah.
2: They yeah, can't just dodge do them all. Yeah, well this is it And that was always for Classic Way On how you dealt with things like Elder Holofields It's just like, well I'm just going to saturate that area And then it doesn't get how good your holofields are Something's going to hit Also,
1: this, all- is, this is why the Nova-class Dreadnought Was so effective during the Earth-Mimbari War Because uh, Earth uh, weapons couldn't uh, lock on to Mimbari uh, ships Due to their uh, scrambling fields But the Nova didn't need to yeah, yeah, Better the the, the Nova just had so many pulse cannons that it would just like, and that's why the, the Mimbari uh, tried to avoid uh, getting up close to a to a Nova. If the Mimbari got close to Nova, the the Nova would shred a Mimbari cruiser. Same thing. Yeah, it's it's exactly the same
2: principle. Whenever you have got an enemy that relies on visual disruption, saturate the area. Simple.
1: So that Simple. that proves but... to be an effective tactic.
2: Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, no, it does prove to be an effective tactic. But what how do they start to question these unseen then? Because when they remove the armor from them, they look
1: human. And this actually takes them a little bit aback, doesn't it? Yeah, they kind of expect them to be aliens. Um yeah, yeah they're they're clearly they look like normal, frankly, almost disappointingly normal humans. Yes. Like, how are you guys fighting so well? Yeah. So And
2: normal questioning doesn't seem to be working on them. They're they're very um, stubborn, aren't they? They do not wish to be part of the Imperium. They're they're happy with their own space. They don't want to be part of the Imperium at all. And they're opening up front and said, yeah, we destroyed all the other invaders. And this is one of the things that we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. And this is some of the things we've seen all the time that often with these compliance actions, the people who are being attacked by the Imperium, are only defending their culture and society. They are being invaded
1: by an external force. And this is the story of the Great the Great Crusade, though. And, and once again, it comes back to the idea, of, again, come back to Horus Rising, where Horus had, I don't know, the humanity to actually wonder, it's like, why don't we leave you alone? Where Dorn. Not for a second did he wonder. No, this is this is my job. No, Dawn is
2: very much. Dad has said this is the correct thing to do. So yeah. we need to do it.
1: Because why couldn't they no, be left, left alone? Like seriously, why
2: yeah. couldn't they just be? They seem to
1: be doing just fine.
2: Yeah, that beyond the astronomical, you're not going to get imperial colonies set up in this area.
1: Also, all I uh, unless I'm mistaken, all of the um, all of the civilizations that are forced into compliance all seem to have some form of representative democracy. Uh, quite often, yes. Or if
2: it's not a full democracy, it's very much a council of elected Yeah,
1: kind of. Officials. Well, I guess or, the Council of Terror would be similar in this period, in this time period, but none of these have like of, emperors or single leaders. No. No. And
2: certainly in this region, they all seem to be council-led, don't they? Yeah.
1: Don't
2: so, these, so how these do they be doing let's okay? Let's go... Yeah, they, they do seem to be going. They, they've survived this long from Old Night. They must have been doing okay. So, how do they try to find out some more information? Well, what does the Imperium do if you can't get direct questions? You roll in a Psyker to read their mind, don't you? Yeah, that's standard. Absolutely. And it's nice to see because we know from later heresy novels that the Imperial Fists after the Council of Nikea lock up their librarians in the Flananx. Literally. As soon as, as soon as the decree of Nikea comes down, Dawn locks his psychers up. Well, but that, in this, those were his, his orders, but this is way before the yeah. council. This is way, way before the council. So he rolls up his chief librarian, doesn't he says, read their mind. Tell me what's going on. And it doesn't quite go to plan. No, the, uh, the, uh, she immediately dies
1: immediately.
2: Yeah. And, and he's like, she- what the hell did I do? yeah it's literally i didn't do anything i, I proved yeah. these the, the surface thoughts wasn't it and the other unseen are terrified they by yep. this aren't they yeah they absolutely go mental over this
1: and i love how these so did they, they, they tell uh i think it was uh one of the remembrancers. that's a like a linguistic specialist because they don't speak the unseen's language but they have like an interpreter they, that, that's managed to figure out the language. It's like uh, I'm gonna go talk to them. Tell that wasn't on purpose. It's Like I don't think that's gonna do anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not convinced that's gonna do anything. Yeah, I, I not. I don't
2: think you're gonna win these ones over just through a simple discussion like that. Somehow, I I don't believe that will happen. But yes. So and they try this a couple of times, don't they? And every time, the unseen dies horribly, screaming in pain.
1: Oh, no, they only try it once, and after that, uh, so they dissect the person that died, and they figured yeah. out um... that they dissect them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other ones actually uh, Dorn sets them free. He he gave, gives them a bunch of like, you know, pamphlets about the Imperial truth, <laughs> yeah. and, and sends them back to try to. Well, maybe they can convince them that you know. Would you like people. to hear about our? Uh, <laughs> would you like to
2: hear about our Lord Emperor?
1: So yeah, he sends them back into uh, the um, the unseen's. Empire, uh, hoping that they convince him. It's like, no, no, the Imperium uh, um, definitely uh, used, uh, psychic powers to kill someone in front of us but I don't think they, they mean us any harm. Also, they're, they're presently invading us. Um, I'm sure that's gonna work. But anyways, that's what he decides to do. Uh, and they dissect the one that they kill, And they find that, um, there seems to be some kind of uh, um, of mutation or something. It's not an implant. Uh, but this, yeah, this, the the brain's right wired up differently. Yeah. So they're not quite sure. And if they the, 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 they are affected in any way by psychic power, they immediately die, and they immediately realize yeah. that okay, uh, they don't want anybody to know about them. This seems like a pretty effective way to keep people from uh, knowing about yeah, them. That
2: that makes sense. So now, Dawn is in the process of working out well. How are we going to deal with them? So. First of all, he realizes, as Dawn would be thinking, they must have a central base of operations. All, all civilizations have a homeworld. So we need to find the homeworld. So the way he does this is he divides the fleet into thirds, doesn't he? The flanks and a large core in the center, and then two flanking forces. And his idea is whichever of those three forces hits the highest level or the highest concentration of resistance, they must be near a central base of operations or a key planet. And then they can focus on that area. So it's an effective tactic, but it does put a lot of risk of one of those elements being wiped out.
1: And by the way, around this time, I think a little bit before this happens, uh, they do have another conclave with the other uh, um, they have the primaries. Oh. We almost yes. forgot about this bit. I, I think this is just before we yeah. capture the unseen. Um, yeah, and, and because, everybody kind of meets to see how everybody's doing. Yeah, and Dawn is actually doing the slowest, isn't he? He's doing terribly.
2: He's not doing well at all. Yeah, he's not doing. He, he's awful. The lion's making really good inroads. Fulgrim's having a whale at the time. And we assume, because Horace doesn't really talk much once again, but we assume he's doing pretty well as well. Right, that's a fair assumption. Dawn, which is. Yeah, uh, uh, Dawn is. Doing by far, yeah. Within worst.
1: a few years of the Night Crusade, they've liberated about a thousand worlds, and only about ten percent were liberated by the Imperial Fist. Not great, yeah. No, I mean Dawn's argument is
2: yes, but the worlds we've we've secured are remaining secure, and we've found information out about how to navigate the, the this area of space but the lion is very much tangible. Your method is too slow. You need to change your tactics and really pushing on him. And
1: how does that go? Not well, not well. No. So yeah, the, 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 lion, I guess, uh, Dorn tells the lion that his methods aren't, uh, I guess are kind of lazy. I think he calls him lazy. Well, he, he
2: almost without saying that, direct words, but he almost accused the lion of being a petulant child. And lazy. And lazy. Yeah. How well. does the lion react? Because, you know, the lion is quite touchy about his sense of honor normally, isn't he?
1: Yeah. The the, the lion... Anyways, it doesn't go well, and it shows that, once again, Horace is absolutely right to split everybody up. Yeah. yeah. And it, trial by combat. Trial by combat. But here's the thing. Uh, okay. I have I of two minds. Okay, so the trial of combat is like, oh my god, uh, Dorne's gonna fight the lion, but no, (laughs) it's actually trial by champion. Yes, because that that's that's way
2: forward, Um, and it's gonna be held on the Empress' children, Gloriana, because they can't. Yeah, because they can't trust it being held on the lions or the uh, or Vessels, and for some reason, Horus goes. I ain't getting involved. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. De- I'm not dealing with this.
1: I did my best to keep this from happening, and you guys still want it to happen. So whatever. We're all we're yeah. technically equals. I'm not the war master yet. If this happened while Horus was war master, though, this would get this would have gotten sorted out so fast. But no, yes. we have to have we have to have trial to see who was right. On the one hand, yeah. you have Dorn. That's saying that. The lion is 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 lazy and petulant, and you have the lion presumably thinking that Dorn is an asshole. It's not
2: often I side with the lion, but on this instant, I was like, I hope
1: his champion
2: wrecks him.
1: <laughs> yeah, and who's his cha- And by the way, Dorn's champion right now, not Sigismund. Sig- Sigismund is still pretty new. Uh, into but, the Sigismund region. is based, yeah, he's an inductee into the Templars. So he
2: is exp- he's an experienced legionary, but he's a battle line Templar. And he's only recently been inducted into the Templars. However, he's already shown signs of promise, isn't he? Dawn actually says that, you know, there's the master of the Templars and then Sigismund and another Templar. And Dawn actually mentions at one point, these are my three finest swordsmen in the Legion. So, you know. Sigismund is already starting to be noticed, but he's nowhere near the level that we, that we will come to know of Sigismund in later novels.
1: But it, it does have that, that little prequelitis, right? Where they, they tease that, oh, maybe one day you'll be a good swordsman. It's like, yeah, we know he's going to be a good swordsman. You don't have to tease that. <laughs> it, it, do you know what this reminded me of? this scene. you know
2: in episode two, Attack of the Clones, where there's when Obi Wan mentions a statement to Anakin at one point, "Oh, you think you'll be you? You think you're as good a swordsman as as Yoda? It's that kind of area. Yeah. It's that kind of theme. It's just like, yeah, we know Sigurs, but it's going to be the best champion or the best swordsman amongst all the legions. You don't need to be building this up this early. Yeah, we yeah. we know that. Ripple we lights. know what he's. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the fight." Because when they get there, the Empress Children unsurprisingly have a fighting pit prepared in what is can only be described as an amphitheatre. Of course. All the primarchs are there. Fulgrim and Horus are quite carefully sat in between Dawn and the Lion, keeping them apart. <laughs> that makes sense. And the Master of Templars has chooses his weapons, chooses his, you know, his great two-handed sword and the dark angel is sword and shield which raises some eyebrows doesn't it amongst imperial
1: fists yeah i think the uh I think the fists came into this a little bit arrogantly they're a little bit overconfident maybe because the uh the knights of caliban are a little bit new to the to the game but i'm I sure yeah. the dark angels know how to duel
2: yeah oh ab- absolutely and i think what also confuses them because i think in most although the templars do use Swords and combat shields, they don't tend to use it in duels, they just tend to fight with single blades. So it kind of raises their eyebrows that the Dark Angel champion is using a sword and shield. Yeah, so the fight starts, doesn't it?
1: It starts, and, and Sigismund y- immediately identifies what's happening. Um, I, I, I think the Dark Angels guy, uh, uh, the Dark Angels champion, what was his name? We should write these things down. There's no dramatis, Persia we write us. whatever. No, the, the Dark Angels champion, uh, he does kind of a rope a uh, just kind of a rope it yeah. up strategy. Just kind of tires out, uh, the Templar who keeps attacking with his double giant blade, and just kind of parries him, parries him, and he keeps closer and closer and parries him and parries him. So Gizman is just looking at the feet, he's looking at at, yeah. at the sand and seeing it's like, oh, the, he, our guy's gonna lose because yeah, he keeps getting and closer, he he keeps firing him out, listening. keeps getting closer, keeps keeps parrying with 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 the, with the shield, yeah, and he.
2: It's the fact that Sigismund identifies it in the first three or four exchanges and goes, yeah, the Lions won.
1: Yeah, it goes on for 15 because, minutes.
2: Yeah. And, and it's anyone who's done any form of armed combat training or martial arts tells you the footwork is the most important element. That's that that's key. And it's the fact that Sigismund looks and goes,
1: yeah, we've lost.
2: And it's over quite quickly, realistically, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, 15 minutes for, uh, for I, I would think, a... Uh... A, a, a legion champion fight is actually pretty short. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, Dorn champion goes down, uh, gets a blade to his throat and, and do you yield? I yield. And then Dorn is like, well, that's the I way apologize. she goes. I apologize. Yeah, you were right. I was wrong. And, and, and then, uh, uh the Phoenician just looks at, um, the knight of, uh, the Lord of Caliban says, Do you accept the apology? And it's just like I accept it, I was right, he was wrong. And for a while, that was b- bothering me. It's like, why didn't you do it yourselves? Or how does how does that solve anything? But then I realized that actually makes a lot of sense. And I think that Thork was 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 smart in doing it. Because individual combat just shows how good at combat you are, it doesn't show judgment, but your choice of champion shows your judgment. Yes.
2: And also it's about the dignity of the office, isn't it? Yeah. Do you do you want to see two Primarchs brawling in the dirt? Because think about what happens when the lion fights Russ in Russ Pride. That is shocking to the legions. That though the, their two Primarchs are literally scrabble, are literally scrabbling around <laughs> in the dirt. You know, neither Legion is prepared to accept that. And I think this is something that the Primarchs we know the primarchs do duel each other in practice cages but that seems to be away from the sight of others because if your primarch loses the psychological impact on your legion is huge whereas if it's your champions fighting you're one step divorced from that aren't you
1: yeah everybody could walk away without being too humiliated and yeah and it, it's as everybody's walking away, Doran's walking away. Kind of, I don't know, not too happy. Didn't, didn't even look at his champion that got like smoked. Um, and and Fulgrim comes to talk to him. It's like, you know, your your champion did great. Uh, there's no humiliation here. It's like I'm not humiliated. They realize that Horus had Horus told Fulgrim to go talk to him, and you know, yeah. But Horus, uh, Horus
2: Horace d- Horace once again showing why he will be the future war master. It's just like, yeah. can you go, go calm his feathers, soothe him. Tell Dawn that he's loved and appreciated, and Daddy still loves him.
1: You guys he's did well. His way, yeah. There's no shame in losing to the best. Yeah, well done, congratulations. And, and sig- Sigismund though, well I like guess sig- Sigismund is like, uh, yeah, one of these days I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be that good again. There's some prequelitis here, but like it, it, it mm. yeah. You know, it, it's partially. I think it's implied that this is part part of Sigismund's, uh, um. Uh, motivation to train harder at dueling
2: yeah and on the way back to the flanks, sigismund and the other two templars are summoned to dawn to have a conversation aren't they and we never see that conversation Mm. but knowing how dawn reacts to sigismund in the later heresy novels and siege of terror we can imagine the kind of discussion that was
1: and also it really it, it really seems to be that the templars are uh, are punished after this for losing mm. in that they are sent they're sent away for the phalanx. you have a small uh, honor guard that stays with dorn for political purposes which they have to because yeah. their literal role is to protect the temple but a big chunk is... of them are actually sent to picket fleets or any yeah, picket fleets absolutely
2: yeah they're spread out amongst the three fleets aren't they 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 are spread out so dawn's tactics divided into three find an area of resistance focus on that area of resistance actually starts to pay off doesn't it it takes several months if not a good couple of years but it does start to pay off they are starting to find those pressure points and resistance and they are starting to work on those areas however the big problem that they are having is working out how do the unseen vessels enter real space? Because none of the usual warp travel signatures appear. There's no markers out there about how these ships enter into real space, is there?
1: No, the and and again, this this comes back to the, the unseen's tactics of hit and run, state of distance, um... And they're they're not really finding any logistical hubs either. Like, how are you? How are they supplying these fleets? They they haven't taken any major world, like a, a no. civilized world, or with like a yeah. big population,
2: or even any large, po- even any population center. They just can't yeah. find them, can they?
1: And so the navigator comes up with a theory. Um, there's uh, there are legends of these things called warp gates. They fought the Elder, though. But anyways. Um, there's there's legends of these things called warp gates and maybe they have some old you know, dark age of technology uh, tech that allows them to move in and out of the warp without um, you know, without using the Astronomican, without using, you know, the standard warp engines as we would know them
0: So yeah,
2: and they decided to try that theory out, don't they? And I quite like how they test this theory out, because Dawn Eventually, finds an area of greater resistance where they think there's a population area, and he's kind of spreads the fleet out in that area, and he uses the flanex as bait.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he, he they have and, some navigator librarian combos. Yes, that the they, uh, they kind of hide around the system to, because um, the, the the librarians can, I guess, uh, amplify the navigator's abilities. To try to see yeah. where the warp gates are, um, and if that's actually what's happening, and one of them is like the, the chief navigator here and the chief librarian kind of are on a um um a little ship, uh, where they think that the, uh, the, they, they could be. They use the uh, yeah, the the phalanx as 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 bait, knowing that we will probably be attacked, and also sending away the main picket fleets away from the phalanx to make the phalanx vulnerable. It was like, what are you doing, yeah. Dorn? This doesn't seem like a great idea.
2: And Dawn's idea is that he thinks he's worked out where some of these warp gates are. And he's a sh- and he's come up with a plan that when they attack the flanks, if the enemy are attacked from a certain direction, if they go in one way, that's going to take them back to the warp gate. And if they move in a different way, then the- clearly the warp gate theory is incorrect. That's basically what it comes down to, isn't it? It's all reacting to how yeah. the enemy reacts to being attacked.
1: And it's an incredible and it gamble. And it's pointed out that oh, Dawn doesn't see it as a gamble at all. He's completely convinced yeah. it's work. In fact, he and his first captain, because we've got a
2: completely different first captain here, haven't we? The first captain is almost dismissed from his duties because he challenges Dawn. He actually stands up to Dawn and says, no, I don't think we should be doing this. I think we need to call back in the picket fleets to help us now. And Dawn turns around and says, If you do that, I am relieving you of command.
1: But it shows how and... powerful the unseen are that they realize they're powerful enough to destroy the phalanx. The phalanx can is vulnerable enough to their weaponry that if it's ambushed in the way that the unseen tend to do things, the phalanx could very well be destroyed. Yeah. Like outside the Gloriana, and... there's not much that can threaten the phalanx.
2: No, no, and even Gloriana is going to be hard pushed against the yeah. flanks. And this is one of a few times outside the Siege of Terror, outside the Solar War, that we've seen the Flanx in combat. Mm-hmm. But we don't see it very often. And in the attack, it is taking some serious damage.
1: I you love know, that it has see- like multiple Nova Cannon batteries.
2: Damn it.
1: Yeah. Usually yeah. you have
2: one I mean- Nova Cannon. That's well, enough. It's it's the fact that on a normal vessel that carries it, the, the ship is built around the Nova Cannon.
1: The Nova Cannon is so powerful it has to be on the prow because you need the actual acceleration of the ship to not be like knocked off your axis. I mean,
2: it's horrific, and this has got multiple batteries, and it's just like, well, that gives you an idea about how large a flamethrower in Then, and, and how dangerous the, surprise- the
1: unseen are if they're if they're threatening this yes anyways yeah it's a space station and the plan same works. way the death star is a space station it's a mobile it yes yeah. it, it's very powerful
2: and the plan works doesn't it the plan does yep. work the navigator and the chief librarian do detect a warp gate and they realize that the warp gates are stationary points and that the unseen has some form sort of technology that allows them to open which allows a set number of ships to pass through. It's very, very similar to a webway gate, isn't it? But I thought
1: thought it kind of was a webway gate. It's not. Yeah,
2: It's not because it's actually still open to the warp where, so the the webway is contained. The way way it's described in another novel is if you imagine you've got real space and the warp, the webway goes on the barrel, on the, the boundary between the two so it's it's neither it's not part one but it's in between the two parts this very much suggests that they are still traveling through the warp but they open and close through these gates because at one point they do try to try trail one of these ships through the warp don't they? some
1: a couple of points yeah that's
2: right that's right so so they they can't be in the webway as such because you can't detect anything within the webway
1: but they realize too the librarian, and the navigator. They re- uh, as work- working together. They realize that because it's a giant. As you know, the, the Phalanx is setting himself as bait, and um, it's it's you know the, 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 the trap is sprung, and 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 Dorne realized that he was correct, and he knows now he knows how to defeat uh, the unseen because he knows how they're getting in and out of things, uh, and and there was multiple libra- librarian navigator teams around, so now he knows where the warp gates are. That's massive um and 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 one of them, you know the chief librarian and the navigator uh, realized that they can lock the gate and there's like a hundred ships that's, that are ready to to come out yeah, potentially turn the tide of battle and they realize we can lock this we can we can shut the gate down and they do and after that the, the war is over.
2: yeah this is it. this is the turning point isn't it because the main stumbling block this main stumbling block to the success of dawn's crusade, Has been working out how the unseen have been getting in and out of local systems. Now, this has been identified and they know how to counter it. Well, now the Imperium can just swing its massive resources into this. And from this point on, we just get a gradual step by step conquest of all the unseen systems, don't we? As they work through, as they enter a system, they lock down the warp gates because they work out the most likely locations where those warp gates are going to be, they lock them down so then the Unseen can't send reinforcements into that area. And eventually, and it does suggest this takes a good few years to carry out, yep. they reach the,
1: the home world. They don't reach the home world, no, they reach one... Uh, no, 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 they're, of a yeah, is it the home world? Oh, I thought it was just like one of their major worlds. It's it's one of the major worlds, isn't it? It is
2: one of the major worlds, okay. yeah, you're perfectly correct.
1: Um, So they, they reach them and then they... They do, you know, a proper planetary invasion. They capture the ruling council. The ruling council officially surrenders, um, and that's quite an interesting
2: scene because once again they're saying, "So if we accept compliance, who's going to be ruling us? Who's in charge?" And Dawn is like, "Well, no, you'll rule yourselves, just in our name." Yeah,
1: yeah you'll there pledge allegiance to the uh, to the, uh, the to the Imperium, to the Emperor, to the Imperial Truth. Um, they do replace lower le- level, uh, administration, like bureaucracies with Imperial bureau- bureaucracies, but the actual, the way that they run themselves, they can keep running themselves. It's, it's the part of the Imperium's decentralized, um, governing, uh, structure. So it's like, you guys can all keep your positions, which is a very, very, uh, powerful negotiating tool When you're trying to get someone on your side, you, you know, pr- yeah. you promise the local elite to stay in power. You could, you have a much better chance of getting a surrender, and and I like the, this touch, you know, kind of the arguments and and Dorn also thinks to himself it's like you know they're gonna try to do some moral grandstanding to save face, and and, and they do warn them that it's like we can't guarantee that there won't be some some of our rogue commanders which will refuse to surrender and there might be resistance and it's like yeah we kind of expect that. Yeah, for that. But the the that, main that thing that is when they start talking about their their you. their, you know that 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 psychic thing. Yes, and
2: this is the part that, for me, was probably one of the best elements of this of this novel is because they talk, Dawn starts to mention their enhancements, for want of a better word. Um, and they, they talk about the fact that, oh, yeah, during the Dark Age of Technology or, or during the Age of Strife, uh, a species came along and they implanted this in us and Dawns were like, okay, so surely it can be removed. And they were like, well, no. Well, why would you
1: remove it? It it protects us. Well, not only that, but it's not an implant; it's genetic. Their genetic yeah. code has been modified. Um, yeah, they're born with it. They don't install it. No, because that was
2: one of the things I thought was quite interesting. That if it was an implant, and they could remove it, well, why don't they do that with a butcher's nails with Angron? But that's a whole other question. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so Dawn goes, We'll be right back. And he steps outside with his first captain and first car, doesn't he? And goes, oh, We need to kill them all. And the first captain is understandably really taken aback by this. He's like, well, Why? And Dawn is like, They're not human. They've been genetically modified, they've deviated from the standard template of humans there is no compliance with this race we have to exterminate them and it's literally as black and white as that isn't it
1: yeah and i also we also forgot like an, uh, an important touch that this was actually used by uh in that final assault on that world uh they actually they use this as a weapon against the unseen uh when they refuse yes. to surrender they uh the librarians all kind of do probing Probing thoughts like really simple yeah. librarian stuff, and they just start go, like dropping dead, which is why they surrendered. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, they realize, like, well, technically, you're not a human anymore because it's not like what the Mechanicum do, the Mechanicum will modify the human form, but yeah. this is they're born with this.
2: Uh, it's like it's- you mentioned right ad- earlier about the InterX, the Interex had also deviated from a standard human template, but Horus was like yeah we can reach some accommodations here
1: has Dorn never could... seen an ogren they actually me- mention rattlings in this book they mention yeah one, one of those compliances uh they have these little ships that pack a really big punch and they describe it as rattlings with a heavy bolter yeah, the humans exist yeah absolutely squats,
0: and even beastmen Ogryn's, aren't immediately beastmen.
1: exterminated they're you know they 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 use a slave labor to uh, work off the sin of their mutation or something like that, but they're not immediately killed. This seems like a more minor mutation. Maybe it has Xenos origins, but if if a beastman is considered an abhuman, I don't know how, I don't know how these people are considered abhumans. But again, what were Dorn's orders?
2: Bring bring humans into compliance, and these aren't humans. And I think what does it is two things. I think one, they're modified by Xenos. And two, it's a psychic mutation. It's a it's a psychic um, modification, okay. and I think that those are the two elements. If they had been gene modified by themselves, I think Dawn would have let it go. But the fact you mean a psychic
1: mutation th- like Navigators,
2: yeah, but they that they are decreed by the Emperor as okay, aren't they?
1: I, I, I appreciate I appreciate you um, giving Dorn so much of the benefit of the doubt here. No,
2: no, I'm, I'm coming up with justifications why he is doing it. I'm, I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm saying this is what he's yeah. thinking about why they're doing it. And the novel ends horrifically with him just walking back into the chamber, and you just hear bolt gunfire.
1: The Imperium and is this, for humans, and Dorn. And if if the Emperor, if the Emperor wanted him to spare abhumans he would have specifically said it like you said like navigators like yeah uh, beastmen uh who are not spared probably it would have been if you're if you're born a beastman you probably it would have been merciful to just be killed uh right away as opposed to what the imperium does with you um but nonetheless there are there is space for toleration but i guess Dorn did wasn't specifically ordered to tolerate this and therefore these, this whole people that had fought back against slavery uh, were all exterminated.
2: But I think what's important here is we do see the Imperium do this. is because quite often when we have a compliance action, we see them going hard against, firstly, humans that resist them, or B, humans which are under the control of alien races, like um, in... oh the Cygnus book where angels fit and fit to tread where you have that initial compliance action with the blood angels and sons of Horus yeah. where you've got the, that slave race of humans. We've seen compliance actions against those because those are clearly not humans or they are too dangerous to allow to live. This is the first time or one of a few times we've seen a compliance action which is successful that humans are about or a civilization is just about to be brought into the Imperium and then something comes up that shows that they're unacceptable. And then the Imperium just turns on them. The only other time we've really seen this is with the Interrex, when Erebus screws everything up.
1: I don't know. Number one, you said at the beginning of this uh, conversation that you didn't like this book. And from our conversation, I'm not convinced that's true. I think there's elements which are cleverly put together. I, I
2: like the sense of mystery. And I think how they built that mystery up was very well done. And I like the twist at the end. I don't like the structure of the novel and I don't like Dawn's character and bear in mind over the siege of terror books, we have said with each seed of terror book, we've read how much better Dawn's personality has come through in the siege of terror books. That's and right. actually by by End of the Death Part One, I've actually got quite a lot of res- I actually had quite a lot of respect for Dawn, which I hadn't had before Praetorian of Dawn. This novel has dropped that back down again. He's too uncompromising. He talked, we we talk about per Travo being cold and uncompromising and very aloof and just seeing people as numbers. Dawn acts in exactly the same way. And we've said before how Dawn and pertrava are just mirrors of each other. This novel shows that even more strongly.
1: Oh, absolutely. At the end of the day, it's funny. Most of these books do not tend to show, they don't do what I thought that they were gonna do. Most of these books do not show the Primarchs in a wonderful light. I think what no. they do show is that in all of their cases there's character development. Um yes. I, I like that. They're all very they're they're all quite different. Because we were talking about after the Ferris Menace one, which is my favorite one. Uh the Ferris Manus Ferris Menace is, oh, looks horrible after that. He, he looks like an a he looks like a competent asshole, but a complete and total asshole. Um, Dorne here just looks I don't know. Um it, it Dorn does what he's told. He he does uh, what he's which told which is at the end of the novel, that's
2: what Malkador says to Sigismund and Fafnir is it's just like that's why your father was chosen to return to terror. It's because we could trust him because he does as he was told.
1: That just doesn't look... And again, it comes back to what I was talking about with Angron. Say what you will about Angron, but dogs obey. We're no longer dogs. Um, yeah. And I, I would say that's criticism of, of uh, uh Is that... Oh, I, yeah. is of- not so much that he'll do it as he's told, is that if you give him a job, he will see it through. and No matter what. Uh, his 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 word is unbreakable, but it's not so much the situation that you can just to- tell him to do something and he'll do it unquestionably. Yes, I if he agree. says he's going to do something, he'll do it. But it's not the same thing as saying that he will do anything that you ask him to do the way that Dorn will do anything you ask him to do. And honest, and I don't want this to to disparage Dorne because you need uh, people that will obey, and Dorne obeyed. No. That-
2: yeah, absolutely, and it's interesting what you're saying because we've read a good half of these Primark novels now, haven't we? And I think this is the one I've really least enjoyed. But like you said, I think Scarily, the, the fairest one I've enjoyed probably the most.
1: Yeah, that one was great. Yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah,
2: that that that. But once again, it's an interesting compliance action, isn't it? Yeah. it and it doesn't show the Primark in the best light.
1: But I don't think it. Again, I don't think it needs to uh, to, to Not- show them in the best light. Um, I think the, the Ferris Manus one is the best one, but I really loved this one. I thought that Thorpe's char- characterization of the enemy was just so cool. There was a nice mystery, uh, in, in the middle, uh, the, the, the swerve at the end was fantastic. I but... really did enjoy it. And I think maybe I, think I... I enjoyed it more because I kind of dislike the Imperial fists, which made me a little bit more like, yeah, darn's an asshole. And I enjoy seeing that. Um, I I thought all all the human civilizations were really interesting. Um Dorn does come. I I don't want to see he comes across as a more complex character. He comes across as I think a more interesting character for all his flaws. But his flaws are Mm. glaring in this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I did like how a Xenos were never named that modified the unseen. We we can infer it's Elder and it kind of makes sense for it to be Elder. But it's never confirmed, and I liked that. I like having that air of mystery because it could just be one of the many hundreds of xenos races which have been wiped out by the Imperium during the Crusade. Doesn't have to be one of the main ones. Could just be in a small subspecies. But yeah, overall, it was all right. But there are better ones out there. So we can draw one. a line on that, can't
1: we? Doing the last one next, Barry Dagger. I'll be right yeah. back for two-week hobby challenge.
2: Here we go for the two-week hobby challenge, then. Um, So, JP, do you want to kick us off and talk about what we've been up to the last couple of weeks, apart from talking Epic? We will will swing this back around to Epic, because, you know, we have to. Until this game is released, we are going to keep referring back to this. But you've been doing actual GW hobby, haven't you, as opposed to your Serial Killer board game?
1: Well, I've been doing that, too. Since actually. the last time that uh, you know we we've done um, we recorded, I've I have done some. Don't look back, obviously, because I've I've enjoyed it quite a bit. So I've done uh, done up ten um, Mantic zombies. By the way, the Mantic zombies from like ten years ago are the best zombie miniatures ever made. I I don't know of any better ones. Have but you I seen better seen... Ma- uh, better zombies than the Mantic zombies? You have put up pictures online
2: they they do look pretty good i have to say that they're what you need from a zombie model aren't they they're they're quite customizable there's lots of pieces on them they're shambly they're a bit ragged looking
1: they look they look they look dangerous in a way that the old gw zombies don't they 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 look more than shambly they look vicious which is what i absolutely love about the Mantic zombies yeah, because zombies should be vicious.
2: I've seen 28 Days Later, and we've seen what happens with massive zombie hordes, so they should be vicious.
1: At the same time, I, I must admit, so I, I I did 10 of them for a, a scenario that I'm working on for this Halloween. So this October, remember, October's coming up. Still a few months, but best month of the year is coming up in three months. And uh, so I'm working on this scenario uh, because I also purchased Last Adepticon, the Golden Girls with firearms. So I've been working on uh I just painted Rose uh so I I, I got to finish Dorothy, Sophia and and Blanche. Um so I'm presently working on them uh and and I'm hoping to do a scenario for Halloween where uh the Golden Girls are uh essentially rented a, coll- a cottage. I'm assuming probably stand Remember y- y- did you watch the Golden Girls when you were a kid? I know of
2: it. Yeah, I I'm, I'm aware of it. I, 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 didn't watch it. I, I used really to watch it with my watched mom. It. But,
1: um yeah, it's it's uh, not. I'm very nostalgic uh, for the Golden Girls. Um, well, Dorothy's ex-husband, Stan, is worthless uh, and, and is one of the great recurring uh, characters in the show. So I'm assuming he, he lends the Golden Girls his cottage, forgets to mention that, yeah, it's full of zombies. But, yes, you are completely right that I did do some actual GW hobby because I'm jumping into Necronomunda. About time. I am getting into
2: Necromunda. You know, Miles and I have been into Necro for quite some time, and we have been talking about what a good game it is. So finally... I never never listen to you guys. We're aware of that, if it's taken you till now to get into Necro. So what gang are you doing? Come on.
1: Uh, Goliaths. Uh, So I've been working on the Goliath gang, and I'm actually uh, doing something a little bit different. Uh, I'm doing Goliath gang uh, that is more, like, long-ranged. So uh should be uh, an interesting project. Uh, so I've got most of the gang put together, and I am also bringing back one of the greatest characters in the history of this universe, Dak Ruthie, who, who's part of the Halifurian campaign. But I'm using his model as a Goliath uh, brute, I believe it's called. So uh, yeah, been, uh, doing Goliath, um, been doing some Goliath, been doing some Necromunda, and been working on some Don't Look Back. So I've actually got a lot, lot done recently. How about yourself? You have, yeah. Well, let's
2: kind of pause with Necromunda for a minute because coming up fairly soon, and it's coming out for release much quicker. There's an updated rulebook for Necro. It's not a new edition. But I, I just learned. Nice. I just learned the rules. Yeah, no. But this is a good thing. They haven't massively changed some oh. rules. That's why. It's, that's why it's not a new edition. It's more like a version 1.2 or 1.3 we're on. So it's just little little tweaks to things. So like if you're shooting at a space on the board, rather than just hitting it on a normal business skill, now it's minus two. I know, Pete, if you're listening, you and I, one of our major tactics with our grenade launches is now gone, but you know, we'll, we'll learn to cope and adapt. Um, things like serious injuries now count as flesh wounds, which a lot of people have been house ruling for a while, but it's now baked into the rules. But the, the nice thing is, it's a single book. So you've got one book with your core rules, your campaign rules, your trading post, all your bits and pieces in. So you just should theoretically only need that rule book and your house book. And that's all you need to carry. And I'm becoming a bigger fan of two book games, my core book and my army book and done. I'm, There's handbook you know. and a uh, DM guide. So yeah, that's all you need. You never need more. You should never need more than two books for game, in my opinion. But yeah, so keep, I, I would thoroughly recommend picking that up. I'm really happy because I've got a gaming weekend coming up in August which is going to be another Necro Gaming Weekend, and we'll have that book by that weekend. So that that was really good. I'm really looking forward to that. But in terms of stuff that I've been working on, uh, Black Legion, mostly. Um, I'm almost at the end of my second batch of Black Legion, which is a squad of Legionaries, a couple of Obliterators, and the good old Rhino, because you can't have an Astartes force without a Rhino. Um, I've been building some more Black Legion for another batch, so that's another squad of Legionaries and some Terminators. And I've also bought uh, and built a Kill Team box set as oh, well. Oh, really? I brought the Imperial Navy, yeah, the Imperial Navy breaches because I like oh, them. Oh, since- Yeah, they are some of the fiddliest models I've put together. Once, you well, the legs are some of the fiddliest parts fit together, but once they were done, the rest of them went together really well. And what I want to do is when I do paint them up, I'm going to use them as a tester scheme for how I would paint solar auxilia. So because I want to have it as kind of like with breaches are the descendants of a solar auxilia company. Oh, or that's awesome. Cohort. So if
1: I'm wrong, though, uh, if you play uh, 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 isn't there stratagems for naval armsmen that you could use those for?
0: Uh...
2: They used to be. They're not even new Seizure Cthulhu book, but you could... Yeah, but you could easily roll them in. It hasn't massively changed. So you could easily roll those things in. And and yes, you're correct. I could then use them as Navy Armsmen for games of Zone War You're perfectly correct. So yeah. And I was just still just counting down towards Legion's imperialis. aren't
1: we? Beauty.
2: Love it. Can't wait. Can't wait. I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting keener for it as we're building up to it i've been i've been talking
1: about in our gaming group i i God. love that i'm already half what uh, because i got my titanicus again yeah i've been saying this for years and no one's been listening to me but like this was this was a soft launch for for epic so i've already got my fully painted uh titan mandible. that's going to be a huge part of my army
2: yeah yeah, and I think this is an advantage of some of us who invested heavily in have got Isn't we've got Titan Manipals, we've got Knights, same as you, I've got some Aeronautica, I've got some Imperial Aeronautica stuff in there. So I just need some infantry, really. It's all going to build together, isn't it? It's, it's all, it's yeah. Cool, so d- despite my kind of reluctance, possibly in the last episode, I think I'm going to have to pick up at least a small force of Solar ox. <laughs>
1: And you know what a, uh, a small force leads to? Oh well, yeah, an ally contingent, the Sons of Horus, and drop pods. And then you've so much
2: money. I will never already- finish. manage. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. It's it's just like God damn you, GW. <laughs> I thought I was in the clear. I thought I was done, but you no, brought me back in.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm so stoked for 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 epic. And yeah, I'm and sorry. Obviously- I'm not going to call. I know epic they're rebranding epic as a scale so it's epic scale so ai and yeah. at and um i guess li right uh LI, yeah epic. it's epic it's just epic
2: yeah we'll, we'll we will probably refer to it as epic from now on won't we yeah and of course we're coming towards the summer so we're heading towards some of these summer releases fairly soon probably over the next couple of months so you know that is apart from We've also got the updated armor mark coming, which is likely looking like it's going to be mark three. So we've got that in the pipeline due to come out in the next couple of months. And then we've got this autumn mystery army we're building towards, which I still say is solar rocks. I'm still putting my money down in solar rocks.
1: If they, if they make plastic solar rocks, they might as well have invented a machine to print money.
2: Well, yeah, I'm just set up a direct debit with them, and that's at, that, at yeah. that stage. It's just, yeah, it's just like, would well, you want 10 percent of my earnings each month? Is, would that be all right? Would that is that sufficient? We're potentially getting epic, and you know, a a possibility of plastic solar rocks within
1: three months of each other. It's ridiculous. What it's, I almost feel like Games Workshop actually doesn't hate us. No, no,
2: they don't, They don't hate us. But it's, it's not a healthy love. It's not a healthy relationship.
1: Well, it's a corporation, but, you know. Well, of
2: course it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's what you need to remember is they're not your friend. They are a company. And as long as they're not running their company like JP sells
1: the podcast hoodies, we're perfectly fine. Thanks for circling back on that on my business action. <laughs> you can always
2: rely on me.
1: <laughs> nice. Anyways, anyways, right. to end uh the show there, uh, we will be playing, we're gonna be back going back to our 40k metal, and we'll be uh we'll be playing a song by the band Tombstalker from their album, in all seriousness, Age of Darkness. So pretty fitting and embarrassing that it took so long uh to find them. And the song I'll be playing is an episode late, admittedly. So it's Titan Warlord uh, by tombstalker from the album of Darkness. Come on, it, it all fits, doesn't it? It will spend some together. money on Bandcamp. Bandcamp link is in the notes. Oh, they have tapes so, too. I'm I'm so getting a tape. Oh, do you know what?
2: There's been quite a lot of new album or single releases from a, a few of those. But I know Stuka had a, a new release the other day as well. So yes. it's just like. <sighs> Gonna have to get involved in that one as well, aren't we? So, but there we go. God damn it. That was a that episode was quite influential. But you know, so next episode, we are going to try hidden dagger, desperately, desperately try to say hidden dagger rather than buried dagger. That's that's point number one. And point number two, we are going to desperately try to finish off the imperialist militia armist.
1: I appreciate um, your uh, positivity and optimism. No, we're going to do it. We're going to do
2: it. There's less options right. to go through. There are less options to go through until we hit the Ogrens and Cavalry. We may get stuck on those oh for a God. while.
1: But on that note, that was episode 136. As usual, thanks for listening.